Hey there. What you're about to hear is an in-depth, spoiler-filled conversation about the recent Naughty Dog title, The Last of Us 2. If you have not played or experienced the game and do not wish to hear spoilers about the story or different aspects of this game, you are advised not to listen to this podcast until after you have done so. But quickly before we begin, I want to remind you that the Crunchy Take podcast is available on Spotify, YouTube, Radio Public, Google Podcasts, and now Apple Podcasts. So if you like what you hear, consider subscribing or following to hear these episodes as soon as they go live. Thank you so much for stopping by and enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome all to the Crunchy Take podcast. My name is James Kittipal and I am joined by a good friend of mine to discuss the nitty gritty of The Last of Us 2. But before we get into it, Aiden Tapia, thanks for coming on, man. How's it going? What's up, James? I'm doing great. How are you? Dude, it is such a pleasure to have you on. Um, but before we get into The Last of Us, can you give us a brief summary of who you are and uh, your background in gaming, the kind of games you liked as a kid, and what has shaped you up until this point? No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but first, let me just say thanks again for, for having me on. It's a, it's a great opportunity. I've been yeah. really excited and appreciative. Um, I will say, uh, yeah, so just brief introduction. My name is Aiden. Um, I am a junior or I'm a senior in college. Uh, and I'll be graduating very soon. Um, right now, I'm just, and I'm from Chicago. Um, so right now, I'm just home due to the pandemic and stuff. And I'm just playing a lot of games, watching a lot of movies, doing stuff I, I love. Uh, in terms of my gaming life, games have been a part of my life mm-hmm. since I was like three years old from plug and plays and, and arcades back when they were big around the city uh, to where I am now, which is more focused on like games journalism, games criticism, and I'm very passionate about that. So like when I first started out, you know, I, I think my first console ever was a Game Boy SP and it was a, it was a SpongeBob one. I remember that. Okay. I think I still have it in the garage and uh, I played Super Mario World and I was blown away mm-hmm. um, just, and I, I really enjoyed it. And even as a four-year-old, I, I was told that like, oh, I was pretty, you know, pretty good at, at Super Mario World and like platforming games. And then I started moving toward, you know, this next gen of consoles, the, the DS, the Xbox, the GameCube, uh, and then eventually the PS2. Uh, and that's when things really started kicking off for me. PS2, uh, my uh, man. That's, yeah. that's exactly the same yeah. console I had. Yeah, things like up. Spyro, Ratchet and Clank. And then the PS3 is when I finally made my first ever gaming account because I used to share consoles with my parents and my siblings. Uh, but then the PS3 was finally like my own and I made my own account. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I started being able to buy my own games and, and refine my taste. Uh, and that came into full fruition toward PlayStation 4, um, which is the next gen and where we are still right now. Uh, I will say I did kind of have that phase in, in middle school and uh, in the front half of high school where all I kind of played was just AAA titles, primarily first-person shooters, things like Call of Duty, mm-hmm. Battlefield, and, and anything like that. Anything with guns, blood, and gore, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Young kids, are, especially boys, are going to eat that up, and that's that's all I did. So at first, I used to use games as an outlet to hang out with friends, um, but now I'm more focused and more refined on. Yes, I still play with my friends, but I am I'm I've started to realize that gaming it's not just really a phase for me that I'll carry through my adolescence. I, I really am passionate about games as art and games as a medium for storytelling and such, even more beyond just games being quote unquote fun and that mm-hmm. being their sole purpose. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, and that's kind of like my brief history of games. I guess if we could get a little into it more, like Last of Us, just to preface, Last of Us 1 from 2013 um, is my, was my favorite game of all time Whoa. for a very long time. I was about to my ask. My favorite game 
of all time, yeah. I was about so to I ask, like, what, yeah, what game was, would you, okay, yeah. well, aside from The Last of Us 1, what game before that was kind of the benchmark as to, okay, this is the, either the standard that you held it to was the first, you said Super Mario World was the first game that blew you away. Yeah, that right? was, like, the first game I ever played. I will say there's three games or series that come to mind when I think about like the benchmark and the thing that Last of Us just surpassed for me. But first came the Bioshock trilogy, um, starting off with the first one, first time in 2007. Um, Absolutely terrified me as a young child, but as I got a little more courageous to get through the opening, um, I realized that it was incredibly atmospheric and, and, and fantastic. Although the gameplay's a little rough, I realize now. And then Infinite was fantastic, and it really showed me like how games could pack a lot of narrative punch and that only further uh expanded for me when i played the mass effect trilogy mm-hmm. on the xbox 360 i was absolutely blown away by the mass effect trilogy um every single installment just better and better and it's there's some of my favorite games and, and that's also why i came to love rpgs and, and stuff like that as well things like beyond the video game console things like dnd and whatnot mm-hmm. and one more would uh would have to be skyrim in terms of stemming a little away yep. from the narrative side of things and more toward just games, adventure, mm-hmm. and exploration and what they can be. Um, I hold Skyrim as a very high standard of that. Yeah. I love that you brought up Bioshock, especially Bioshock mm-hmm. Infinite, because there is, I guess there's a lot for me while watching. Fortunately, I, you know, I don't have a PS4. I grew up with a PS2, but it's just PC has pretty much dominated my life. But right. Bioshock Infinite, I feel, has a lot of, you could draw a few parallels um especially with the 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 diet um the dichotomy between uh the two characters in last of us there's there's a lot of i feel like there's some similarity as far as emotional gut punch um yeah yeah there there's there's definitely stuff there that i hopefully want to get into um mm-hmm. is there a game that you've picked up within the last few months since quarantine happened that you like oh wow this is a surpriser pick um yeah absolutely so i my 2019 was pretty uneventful i'll say that um in i terms didn't of play gaming? a lot of games i played yeah because gotcha. I, I i usually am playing catch up on games that i missed the previous year mm-hmm. and 2020 is no no difference uh so i play a lot of 2019 titles this year the first one that i played that was really critically acclaimed um besides Sekiro and devil may cry 5 which i both think are exceptional except they don't really have much in the vein of story and, and storytelling mm-hmm. i picked up outer wilds not outer worlds outer, outer worlds Wild. okay yeah or not outer worlds outer wilds it's called outer wilds oh, shoot. so there's like, an yeah. outer worlds yeah. too it's not the fallout 4 kind of it's not the fallout yeah. clone right or yeah outer worlds is the one made of obsidian that's like the rpg gotcha. fallout type one there's one called outer wilds outer it's wilds. about uh space exploration uh, and it's really good. It's got a lot of 2001 Space Odyssey vibes. I think I've heard of, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There was another title Sweet. called Subnautica that also didn't offer oh. much in the realm of story, but it absolutely blew me away. I'm in a, I am a, I kind of left this out in my little bio part. I'm an environmental science major at Taylor, so I, I've really always appreciated nature and discovery and science, and Subnautica just really speaks to me on that level. But the one game I played since quarantine started that absolutely blew me away and, and wriggled its way up into my my top five favorite games is a title called Disco Elysium. Disco Elysium, uh, it was getting, okay. Yeah, it was getting a lot of critical acclaim, and that stuff typically attracts me. And it's uh, it's an RPG where you play a detective in the fallout of the Eastern European Communist Revolution. And Recently is, released? Uh, yes, it was released, I believe, on the tail end of 2019. Okay. It swept at the Game Awards and the BAFTAs. 
uh, for storytelling, best indie game, things like that. It's it's phenomenal. It's the, I, I strongly recommend it for anyone that loves RPGs. Um, it's a little different, uh, but I just strongly recommend it. You got to check it out. Yeah, the past few, I'd say 2020, I mean, it's, pretty, it's been a pretty somber year for a lot of people, right? I mean, we've, we've oh, not yeah. had a lot of hope, <laughs> which is, um, you know, a theme. And then, like, things happen here and there, but I feel like in the gaming world, for the most part, we've seen some really amazing things happen. At maybe the cost of some of these developers, you have to imagine the crunch that these, these people go through just to make things like this happen. For me, oh, that game would be... Because I never played it back in the day, it would be GTA Five when it was released. Uh, mm. I actually got it for free. A friend of mine gifted it to me, and this was a week before the uh, <laughs> the Epic decided to oh, release it for free. It went free. <laughs> yeah, before it went free. But my friend was so nice; he gave me um, a copy with like two million dollars on the online. So I'm like, okay, cool. awesome. Yeah, so GTA Five, that campaign is while it's not immediately in my top, it's like, wow, there's a, there's a story there, like. Especially when it got to this one, when it got to the Trevor bit, I played it for nine hours. I played it for nine hours straight. Like that, that, that it was just so fun. All right. I've been playing a lot of GTA online during quarantine. Sorry to cut you off. I've been playing online. It is phenomenal. The community is thriving so much and they they have so much passion for the game and you can really just do anything you want. Rockstar is is just so good at that. I would just hope that for this next game for... Uh, 2023 or 2022, I think was when GTA 5 set to come out. I would hope they really, if they're gonna do online play, I would just hope that they utilize they um, what's the word? They make the UI more friendly and they yeah, make the online more I don't yeah, know playable because it takes it's like forever it's like to load. Yeah, it's like Hulu's got so much good stuff. Oh, like they just added Parasite, but I'll be damned if I can figure out how to use that app. Yeah. Because so, with Rockstar, you can't even you cannot add friends in the from desktop. <laughs> you have to add it while you're in the game. It's just like yeah, it's very archaic, yeah. very two thousand early two thousand ten. So I'm hopefully they switch sure. they switch directions. All right, let's let's get right to it, Aiden. The Last of Us Two. Uh, it's a game <laughs> that has yeah, that garnered a, a lot of controversy. I think honestly, this might be the most controversial release of a game that I can remember. In recent history, in in recent yeah, gaming I, history, or even entire gaming history, like I can't think of another time yeah. when it was this this concentrated in terms of emotion and feeling. Yeah, yeah I haven't been alive very long, obviously, um, but and I haven't been that active in the gaming community seriously for a long time, probably for the last decade or so. And I really have never seen. I won't say outrage because there's definitely a lot of positivity. Uh, in the madness here with this game, but just the amount of craziness and chaos and all the hecticness of it, it it's if I can think of something to rival it, it would probably be I mean Fallout seventy six is kind of the low hanging fruit, but you know, you can just you can yeah just punch that game, get away with it. I would probably say the Mass Effect three ending. A lot of people were just massively upset with that. I'm not sure if you're familiar. I won't go into I am detail, sort of familiar, yeah. And um Everyone Andromeda so kind of came out to the same thing, yeah. and yeah. I think honestly, the last where where the it may not have been the gaming community itself, but just like the outcry of people reacting to a video game for me would honestly be the early days of GTA, 
Um, yeah. Because I'm, I'm 25, so like, I'm not that old. But gaming, you can pretty much summarize gaming within the last 25 to 30 years. You know, really, significant, yeah, sure. significant games that are, you know, benchmarks. And within that time span, you know, there have been controversies here and there, you know, like studios screwing over people, uh, EA with loot boxes and microtransactions stuff. But GTA, I, I feel like that's a that's the closest thing I can get to to what this currently is. Um, it's just like the outcry yeah. from people that don't understand what a what the video game is and you know misconceptions about the video game and the oh, yeah. i think the ability what what bothers me most currently is the fact that yeah people are going to disagree about a video game but currently the the community of video game players and critiques and critics and journalists it's like no one knows how to talk to each other it's almost like politics yeah it's, it's getting to that point it's almost like you mm-hmm. know a lot of people are starting to say that video games are just becoming movies where like the rotten tomatoes score is exponentially higher than the user score mm-hmm. uh and people are just you know it's oh keep your politics out of my games oh they're being overly politicized and yeah. it's just it's starting to get there now and i think that's i take it almost as a good sign because it shows me that video games are starting to work their way onto mm-hmm. the level and garner respect that, that i think they deserve in terms of storytelling and, and narrative you know, on the same, I, I treat video games, yeah. maybe not all of them, because some games aren't as narratively focused as, as Naughty Dog games. But for those that have a narrative element, you know, I treat them on the same level as movies, as books, mm-hmm. um, music albums, such. So I think that's, that's just a sign that they're getting there. And I think an interesting contrast between this and GTA is that, you know, The Last of Us 2, honestly, might be more violent than it GTA. It is 100% more violent. We'll get into that but in a little the, bit. Yeah, just like yeah, it's... Absolutely. But it's, not, no one's talking about that now. They're talking about a lot of other things. Yeah. So I think that are very interesting, and we can get into that later. I, I love the fact, you know, The Last of Us 2, the reason I wanted to talk to someone so badly about it, it this whole week, man, has been me just, like, holding it in. I, I've been going to work almost. I've The last game to do this to me, and it's topical that you brought it up, was Bioshock Infinite. The ending mm-hmm. to that game, I'm not going to spoil it, but it left me sitting there in front of the computer just like staring at the screen being gut punched and not knowing really what to, how to process. Um, yeah, absolutely. I just love stuff like this where it makes you disagree with yourself. And for other people, they may have... I would almost rather be in the camp of either 100% for and 100% against. For me, it's like, ah, this is one of those times where I, I see something like this and it makes me disagree with myself. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, first question I have: um, take me back to when the game jumped to credits. So when the game first ended, what was your initial feeling? So you gotta understand, James. When I when I first played Last of Us One, I was I just turned fourteen, and ah, yeah, you were. I just resonated so much with Ellie because you know she's a young teenage girl and i resonated so much with her like rebellious spirit and her confusion in in the uh in the um i'm sorry in the fallout of the uh, cordyceps you know pandemic and it she was she resonated so strongly with me and to see her turn in and we'll get into this obviously but to see her turn into this almost like a monster and lose everything I my jaw hit the floor, but I also felt tears welling up in my eyes yeah. at the same time because I was so taken aback that Naughty Dog was able to take this character that I absolutely adored and change my perspective on her uh, overall. And when the credits first hit, um, 
the the song sums it up. I've been listening to the soundtrack and all. The the song is called uh, Beyond, Beyond Desolation. Desolation. Or Beyond Desolation. There you go. Yep. I, oh, you 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 you're pretty much mirroring what I'm what I'm thinking right now is because that that track yeah, it stuck out. You see the Naughty Dog trailer, Naughty Dog logo at the end. It's like oh, what? Oh yeah. <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> It's, a lot of people have been using the phrase gut punch almost annoyingly so because they use it so often, but that was a complete gut punch for me. I was just like, damn, yeah. this game really doesn't... This is, you know, Last of Us 1, a lot of people say it's a happy ending. I disagree, but it does leave you feeling good because you got closure and, and a resolution there. Yeah. And this one, it's not as fulfilling. Or I will say it's very fulfilling, but it's certainly not as straightforward. You really mm-hmm. have to dig deep and go, man, like what really happened here? Yeah, you know, uh, you don't need a explained ending explained video for Last of Us One, but I've been seeing a lot of ending explained videos for Last of Us Two, and there's just so much to unpack. There's so much, so much emotion, and it really spoke to me on how games have just matured and how you know games like Call of Duty are rated M because they have a mission in it where you just drop, you waste a whole airport. You know, that's about yeah. it, and they add blood and enemies just get worse. Oh, yeah, the oh. no Russian part. That's like the. Yeah. That's the last, that's another, honestly, besides another, GTA, that's the last, like, real, the news was talking about it. Yeah, know? oh yeah. Last of Us 2 has that rated M, not just because it's abhorrently violent, but because you need to have so much emotional maturity to be able to wrestle with this game, and its ending is, is no different. It's so heavy, and we can unpack that as we go through the rest of the story, because that's where, you know, all the puzzle pieces kind of fall. But I was absolutely shocked, and I will say, I knew right then and there, I didn't have to think twice. I thought to myself, this is the best game I've ever played in my life, oh. which is why I use the phrase Last of Us 1 was my favorite game of all time. Oh. Now it's Last of Us 2. It is, <laughs> I think it's the best game I've ever played. I think it kind of reminds me of uh, these great, these other great franchises slash pieces of art that either, I think a, a telltale sign of a, a significant piece of art or whatever, or creation is that, you're either going to have people that um, that are in the camp and appreciate it and really love it for what it is or are complete. It just missed the mark for that's I feel like. Yeah, that's what I feel like a lot of things are, you know, like Harry Potter. There's a lot of people that love it. There's a lot of people, but there's also a lot of people that absolutely can't stand it, just like with Lord of the Rings. Um, but The Last of Us 2, I feel like do you, do you feel like people were on the same page? When they when they booted up this game, do you feel like the gaming community, spoiler talk, um, you know the leaks and everything else aside, you know like the two day embargo, everything aside, just talking about the game and the story, do you feel like people were on the same page as far as like how they felt about Joe and Ellie and all the other characters that we knew? Yeah, I will say yeah. I think everyone's on the same page because. Um everyone is kind of now on the same page about the fallout of of Joel because the people that are upset about what happens to Joel which as if you don't know you know obviously they kill off the protagonist from the previous game Joel who we've mm-hmm. you know known and love uh they kill him off in the first hour of the game in a brutal fashion and we can talk more about that uh, later I'm sure but essentially the people that expected Joel in this game is nearly everyone. So I will have to say they were probably on the same page going into it. However, I certainly wasn't because I couldn't fight the urge to theorycraft, you know, and think about, 
you know, what's going to happen in this story. I did the same for Endgame almost exactly a year ago. I was like, oh my God, (laughs) Tony's going to die in this way at this point in the story. Cap's going to die in this way at this point in the story. And I did the same for Last of Us 2. And I will say I fully expected Joel to die at some point. At some point in the story. I fully expected it just because, you know, it's that mentor figure that eventually just dies. Um, But I will say I did not expect him to be a big part of the game. I'll say I'll be ahead of the curve on that one because the marketing is pretty clear that this is Ellie's game. And I think people got really caught up in that. Every single gameplay demo and every single trailer screams that this is Ellie's game, not Joel's. Yeah. I think it's... Well, here's another question to to consider. I, you know, this whole week I've been looking at Obviously, in in the wake of the ending, you know, you, you look for any reprieve, and I'm I'm glad that for the most part, uh, the more mature critics on on YouTube, you know, I have kind of, they're kind of starting to sway the conversation into a more artistic conversation, you know, right. where we can where we can actually digress, where we can actually break apart, wait, what works, what doesn't work, when talking about art instead of just this screaming match that that right. really occurs every single time something like this happens, but, um. Do you think Joel is a quote unquote beloved character? I would, I have to say yes, just because, you know, Joel's arc is of redemption mm-hmm. in Last of Us 1. Last of Us 1 is about the struggle of humanity. I like to, I, I coined the phrase kind of humanity versus humans. So kind of differentiating it that there, because Last of Us 1, you know, the world in Last of Us is not a happy place. It mm-hmm. sucks. It is brutal. And that's because humans are trying to survive. It's kind of like the way of nature, right? And that's only reinforced by all the natural imagery, the cordyceps fungus being biological, not synthetic. Um, it just screams, you know, Mother Nature, and Mother Nature's not pretty. However, Joel, when he chooses to, you know, massacre that hospital, it's because Ellie makes him more than just an animal it he makes him feel human and 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 it rekindles his that love that fatherly love uh, yeah. for, his, for his i guess when daughter. i say beloved I so yeah um i guess when i say beloved i was watching um i hate that certain things make me think a certain way but like the cosmonaut variety hours is another youtuber i look at um he he made the comparison that joel is really He's like a deathly violent anti-hero that we grow to love in The Last of Us. Yeah. You know? Whereas yeah. <laughs> like we're being like we talk about beloved characters. If in a weird way, the both of them, Joe and Ellie, in the first game combine into one character or one idea that we love. And like it's because of their dichotomy, their relationship that they're each of them are bearable. You know, because yeah, I can't a really interesting thought. I hadn't thought of it like that. They do complement each other really well in that contrast. It could, I kind of see that point. The contrast between them and the banter is more we're attached to than the characters yeah. themselves. I would disagree, but I can totally see that point because I, I love Joel. I love, I also am just a sucker for like the, the grizzly, ruffled country guy, you know, Texas yeah. bearded guy with that can be really violent but really sweet at the same time type Here vibe. Kind of like, like Logan, you know? Yeah. I mean, oh, she's that. That's a. You can't help but wonder, like, what what is the chief inspirer of of all these different oh, forms yeah. of art that have come out within the past? Like, you know, because you've had God of War, kid and dad story. You've had Logan, father daughter story. 
Last of Us, you know, it, it just keeps it goes on and on. And like, yeah. I don't feel like you can pinpoint any one thing, you know, but um, earlier you said, you know, you spent this much time playing The Last of Us 2. And when you get to the ending, it's just like such a jarring. Like you said, this rotten kind of feeling. Uh, how long did you think it took for you to complete the game? Uh, yeah, so I will preface with saying that I am a kind of a completionist type player. I do like finding every collectible I can, uh, mm-hmm. not, not to the point of obsession, like where I'm looking at online guides at the same time that I'm We're playing. turning on high contrast mode and just yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. all the... Um, I, but I do try to search every corner and crevice that I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, uh, this is a very long game, even without that type of playthrough. Uh, I ended my or that play style excuse me i ended my playthrough at 27 hours 27 hours yes so you like you just sat down and then you booked it through oh i went when i played the last of us one seven years ago i beat it in one sitting one Mm -hmm. 14 hour sitting it was it was amazing in this game i knew i couldn't do that i knew it'd be a disservice to this game just because i had i had heard that it was long i tried keep in mind i i tried to absolutely keep any mention of this game at all out of my same life so I, I I made different YouTube accounts. I I sign I used YouTube signed out just to keep the rotation and the ad uh like the ad recommendations kind of confused and such mm-hmm. um, on different devices and stuff. I really took this seriously. I stayed away from, from social media hell holes like Reddit and stuff where spoilers were just rampant. So um I all I knew was that the game was long. To avoid spoilers, especially when the game because it was easy to avoid the leaks for me, but yeah, it's when the game released. And when I, you know, when my guy, when MK Ice and Fire, and then Christopher Odd is, I also follow their playthroughs. When the game released, I click on the video and it's like, I wouldn't click the YouTube logo to go back to home for any of mm-hmm. my videos. Everything had to be related. Like I, I, I wouldn't even, like if I would, I wouldn't type the last of us in the search bar because I knew it would be <laughs> like, it would just the recommendations would be this character, death, that character, death. I'm like, no. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a whole it took me three days three days dude to f- me watching to finish it um <laughs> the reason i'm asking you about the length is today i was watching or i was reading up on just the general state of triple a games pacing right it was a um and we know that naughty dog has a history of crunch culture right? yeah they they I mean, you think you you look at every single beautifully, intricately detailed animation and like and you can't help but wonder if that came. No, if you can't help but know that that came at the expense of human hours and possibly health. Right. You know, simulation time, everything. Did you think personally that the game was too long or was it just the right length for you? Um. Yeah, so I will I will say before I answer that question that I I was made aware also of of the crunch um, beforehand, and this is something that is really controversial, and I think everyone can kind of disagree with. It. It's not good to overwork your employees, and I and I do want to preface by saying that while I do love this game to a very strong degree, I really strongly disagree with the practices that you know I don't know if it was Neil Druckmann himself or Naughty Dog in general that they placed upon their employees. They really you know, it's, it's, it's distressing at best. Um, 
But I will say, you know, for what it's worth, they created a hell of a game, and I will say that I thought the length was absolutely perfect. At no point did I think the game was too long or too short. I just thought structurally it made so much sense. Like everything in this game just makes sense to me. It just works. Mm-hmm. Everything just feels perfect for me. So the length was absolutely perfect and the pacing, which I know a lot of people have uh, strong feelings about as well, but we can. Yeah, that that's I, I want I want to get to that right after I, um we maybe talk about the gameplay for a little bit. So gameplay Absolutely. wise, um gameplay wise, and when I say gameplay, I, I'm thinking more so like sure, gameplay mechanics and also the world. Everything uh, everything technical slash uh, mechanical that you had to interact with. What were some of the more satisfying elements? You know, because for me yeah. I experienced the game from a visual standpoint, you know, watching but I couldn't help but notice, while wow, you know, there's a lot that has changed from The Last of Us 1, you know? Right. So The Last of Us 1, I, I, I actually did play before this game. I played it about, I completed it about two weeks before uh, the release, just to refresh my mind, not only of the story and where we're at, but of the gameplay and what it's like. And I, I thought it was, you know, it was great. It's my favorite game of all time. Like, how <laughs> could it be any better? And I know a lot of people were criticizing the gameplay um when it first came out and i just i couldn't believe it 14 year old ignorant aiden was just like no i'm right it's my favorite game you can't say anything about it and uh some of that lives on with this game too and we could talk more about that later but uh the gameplay is i could not believe i was playing the sequel to the last of us why while i was playing the game itself like the actual like you said the actual gameplay not just the story and the dialogue mm-hmm. but the mechanics It is a tried and true sequel in that regard. Everything's bigger, better, more fluid, more seamless. It controls better. Everything is just better. And the things that really stood out to me were the sprawling levels. So in Last of Us 1, we don't have levels that are that big. And we don't Mm -hmm. have levels that are as vertical or as dense. They're just simple combat encounters, pieces Mm -hmm. of cover here. You know, kind of reminiscent of a Call of Duty checkpoint in the campaign. Yeah, um, but they're a little more open than that because you need to sneak around to be able to. You know, these are more. I classify the game as, as a genre of a, like it falls into the stealth action genre. It's not full on action. It's not full on stealth. It's somewhere some gray area in between. Um, but immediately, I think you notice you you don't even have to play it to know you, these levels are massive and they are open and they are filled with optional encounters, which mm-hmm. is something I thought was interesting. Like when you go to Seattle. Seattle day one with Dina and you're on the horseback exploring that one city block. You don't have to go in a lot of those buildings. You can, and they're filled with infected and a lot of good loot, but you don't have to. So Mm -hmm. it kind of, it's kind of, it's like semi open world because there's these open areas. Things are optional in them, but you know, obviously it's still a linear game and it's pushing you forward. Uh, It's similar to like Darksiders 2, Darksiders 3 in that regard. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so that's immediately what stuck out to me. And it stuck out to me in Seattle day one, when I was in a combat encounter, and uh, usually if I mess up the stealth, I am, I'm kind of stingy about my ammo. So I will just like restart the checkpoint to like, if I miss a shot or if I mess on. up my... Oh, so I played on hard, the second to last okay. difficulty. And the reason is because on Survivor, I don't know if they did it in this game, but in Survivor and Last of Us 1, you lose your ability to listen mode, to use listen mode. Yeah. Um, integral part of the game. At least for my first playthrough, I want to be able to have listen mode. So I played on hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, regardless... Yeah. I hit start and it said restart checkpoint or restart encounter and it said 20 minutes. So like I had been in a, a single combat encounter for 20 minutes because of how big it was. It was like mm-hmm. that city block corner with the gas station and the library and the apartment complex yeah. in Seattle day one. 
I was absolutely blown away. Another feature was the movement. There's you can't jump in Last of Us One. You just and your your sprinting feels quite sluggish. If you get caught by an enemy, you, you get tagged. Yeah, you cannot run. You cannot run. In Last of Us Two, you can absolutely outrun enemies, and I think that's a good thing because it allows for that cat and mouse gameplay to really be cat mm-hmm. and mouse. Because in Last of Us One, when you get caught, you're kind of just caught, and you just kind of have to hope and pray that you can find a good hiding spot to get lost in, and and the enemies will lose sight of you. But in this mm-hmm. game, you can absolutely get lost. And that's due to not only your speed, but the environment and your ability to go prone and squeeze through those little holes in the walls and such. I was just blown away. So the level design is the main uh, thing that really just blew me away about the game. It's like the biggest, would you say, so what you're saying is the level design was the first kind of big objection, objective improvement from the first game, in your opinion. Yes, absolutely. And the second one is the crafting. Uh, oh crafting. man i love yeah, they, the crafting was asmr for me <laughs> i don't know if it was like, for you no yeah absolutely there are like six recipes with five materials in the first game mm-hmm. and they're pretty simple some of them do carry over molotovs carry over uh upgraded melee weapons carry over but honestly i don't find a lot of them useful in the first one especially the smoke bombs they're just these random smoke bombs in this game they swap out the smoke bombs for stun bombs, which then can then be upgraded into smoke bombs, which I thought was a great uh, mechanic, and I'll get on that next. That's another mechanic, the upgrades. Uh, but yeah, just crafting, taking six materials and being able to have, I think it's like 10 or 12 items across both of our characters that they can individually craft mm-hmm. is just is such a big improvement to me. Um, and it's because it, it emphasizes trade-offs. In Last of Us 1, a nail bomb has its own specific materials that are mm-hmm. different from a Molotov cocktail. However, in this game, you know, med kits, Molotovs, incendiary shells, and hunting pistol ammo all need the same materials. Mm-hmm. So it's like a push and pull, and you really have to decide what's worth it, you know, yeah. at, for the situation. Um, so you might play it differently. I'm not going to say it's like two different playthroughs like Breath of the Wild, but you will play it differently than other players. Um, I, one of my good friends said that uh, he didn't use stun bombs at all, and they were my favorite item because I love the melee in this game, which is another improvement, but that's a very minor one. So I will say the crafting is another one that got me. And spiraling off of that, the upgrades in Last of Us 1, and you'll notice I keep flashing back to Last of Us 1 because these are just objectively amazing upgrades to the game, which is why no one's mad about the gameplay, right? I think Dunkey said that in his video. He's like, no one is upset about the gameplay. The gameplay Mm -hmm. improvement, the gameplay has been so much more refined. But just the last thing I'll touch on that's I'd, I'd argue is pretty major is uh, the upgrades. So using supplements to upgrade your character and, uh, and parts to upgrade your weapons, that carried over from Last of Us 1. Mm-hmm. However, supplements in Last of Us 1, you could just pick and choose whatever skill you wanted. And it was only one set of skills. So you could just upgrade your health, upgrade your melee damage, yeah. you know, upgrade your listen mode distance. That's it. There were like five or six abilities. In this game, there are four or five skill trees per character with slight variations, but ultimately they focus on the same things, explosives, um, your base character abilities, melee, crafting, precision, explosives, mm-hmm. such like that. Uh, and you get to choose which skill trees you want to upgrade. And that, I think, adds a little bit of choice into it because there's only a limited supply of, of supplements and pills to find. So you know, you'll play it a little different and you get to prioritize when you want to upgrade first. Mm-hmm. What were some of them? You so so going back to 
level design like what were some of the more breathtaking uh sequences from you like for me um it would i mean aside from the opening right i mean you see just like the luscious kind of countryside which is which was teased in in the trailers but for me just the right. scale so yeah seattle like you're saying it's like whoa this this whole new kind of world that you can you have the option of exploring or just completely bypassing so you right. could theoretically miss the music shop right you could theoretically miss yeah. a lot of this other stuff but for me um it was that sequence where lev and abby have to make it up this huge building to get to the mm-hmm. hospital whoa just like the that felt like a whole bunch of games put into one like journey and all these other games that require you to get to a certain location it's just like and you see mm-hmm. you know that's kind of interwoven with her as well just you know fear of heights and yeah. just like uh, yeah for me that that's a standout or just like the uh rushing waves of the um of what downtrodden Seattle has become, the fact that, you know, certain places yeah. of it has become this waterfall. I just so appreciate when the game can look like concept art, you know? Yeah, the graphics are insane. I'll, I'll say that really quick. The, the graphics yeah. are exceptional. It's probably the best looking game I've played. Um, I will say you and I share the skyscraper. The skyscraper, definitely in the later portion of the game, I believe that, if I'm not mistaken, that's on Seattle Day 2 for Abby. Seattle day two around around because there's three yeah. three days in Seattle uh, is it four for Abby? Right, there's three days for both characters in Seattle. Gotcha. Uh, and we can touch on why that's important later. But yeah, the skyscraper something that wasn't big in Last of Us One was verticality. You could have wide open areas, but there wasn't any element of different floors. But when you're in this multi-level skyscraper, I believe there were four layers to it, and mm-hmm. there's enemies interwoven and jumping through other layers to chase you or just because that's their patrol route, I was absolutely shocked. And there's different ways to move throughout of it. I was just, I couldn't believe I was playing a Last of Us sequel. It felt like Uncharted, <laughs> which is really the vibe I got from this game. It was like Last of Us. It was like Naughty Dog just had like the perfect love child between their two premiere series, Uncharted and Last of Us. And they just melded them into this one game and it's incredible. Although more so for Abby, her, her story is a little more action-packed compared to Ellie's. But I will say the first time it really got me and I, I understood the scale of what I was facing, was when you're playing as Ellie and you first encounter the Seraphites or, or Scars as they're referred to by the uh, and you hear the whistle and then like the whistle, boom. And then you take an arrow to the shoulder. I was absolutely floored. And as you get through this this thick vegetation and you get to this multi-level parking garage, mm-hmm. I was just I was so floored. I was just like, this is no pun intended. <laughs> but um I was just like, this is insane. I was like, this is just it's such a good combat encounter and it's like 15 minutes long and it's open and sprawling and there's so many different routes to go. Just the level design blew me away. Those had to be the two moments, the skyscraper and the first encounter with the scars. I just me. like that the, um, you know, you, you get into Seattle, you get the different factions, right? And, and I'd imagine that in this universe across America and across the world, humanity has reserved back to this tribalism kind of thing. And yeah. the cordyceps, uh, disaster has only been in the world for what twenty five years, about. Yeah, I think twenty it's like plus 20. years. You know, so it's interesting to see different games' interpretation of what humanity would look like. We had a collapse, and we were suddenly trying to make our way back. You know, since you had Horizon Zero Dawn, we had tribalism mixed in with mech culture. Whereas this game, yeah, yeah I and mean, wild concept, but um, 
But this game, they focused... I, I felt like the first Last of Us, in many ways, was more of, a tr- of what you'd consider a traditional zombie game. Would you say that? Absolutely. Whereas Absolutely. The Last of Us 2 is so much more human-centric. Although the zombies yeah. don't, don't take a backseat, really. I mean, they're, they're at this. What do you, what yeah, do you make of that? Last of Us 1 does kind of give, like, Walking Dead, like, traditional zombie story vibes because, you know, you're going through abandoned towns, mm-hmm. abandoned highways. You know, when you get to Bill's Town, that's pretty generic zombie, you know, stuff. What sets apart Last of Us is the dynamic between Joel and Ellie, obviously. No zombie story really touches on that. And I'd argue that the Cordyceps are very unique zombies for a zombie story as well, but that's yeah. not too different. Um, Last of Us 2, I told when I was talking with my friends initially, I was like, this feels like the setup for like a comic book universe. I read a lot of comic books. Mm-hmm. Uh, it feels like a comic book universe setup, and it feels like almost like the Last of Us cinematic universe almost. Like it's just, you know, in one, you have two factions, the hunters and the fireflies, the savages and the semi-organized group, right? That's it. In this game, you have the WLF, you have Tommy's Farm, you have the Rattlers, you have the Seraphites, you have an ongoing war in the background, turf wars between these two, and this is just Seattle. So you can only imagine what the rest of the country looks like, and I thought it was so badass. Well, the Rattlers, um, correct me if I'm wrong, are the Rattlers the, the faction right at the very end? Yes, they are the okay. ones in Santa Barbara. Okay. Yeah, for me, I kind of found them more interesting than the Scars. Uh, I, I, I feel, I felt like we're, maybe let's get into like pacing and execution. I feel like, um, if they'd have found a way to mix the scars and the rattlers into one unifying threat, that may have been interesting to see against, you know, what Ellie and, uh, Abby have to face. Um, they could have been dynamic. However, I think this, this, the rattlers are kind of geographically limited to Santa Barbara area. Cause you know, there's a there's a fat distance between California and Washington, right? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they are West Coast, but they're so far apart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you got to think, just think about that. But, yeah, another thing that I really appreciate about this universe now is it felt so much more refined and elite and mature. So, like, in the first game, you know, people are still using wood planks with, with nails to beat each other up. But when you get that introduction to the WLF in the first hour of the game, they're dressed in sleek, you know, black clothes they're pretty much the military they took over fedra right right they have tactical gear and then even more with the the rattlers at the end they have silenced some machine guns and and bulletproof armor right that was weird to see like ellie with a a silence with a mp mp5 or whatnot whatever it was yeah Yeah, kind of that was weird it it did feel a little natural but i loved it because you got a silenced weapon with a ton of ammo which is you know i don't know if you played the last one uh, the previous title but joel at the end they give him a freaking m4 yeah and ammo and he can just drop all these soldiers and it feels so satisfying resident evil does the same thing you know they let you go all out at the end of the game because they've been starving you of ammo which is another thing this game does but if you are willing to explore like i was you you will not really be running out of ammo that much. i just thought it was interest. i just thought it was weird i thought it may have been a little weird the fact that fedra i think was was basically the military faction yeah. in in so Seattle. Kind of like, yeah. So why why then wouldn't they have automatic weapons? Or did they? You know, and I just I, didn't notice because they had snipers. They had all these. Other, but automatic weapons seem to be like a. You know, is it just a game structure thing where they wanted to leave it towards the end? Or I'm not sure because in Last of Us One, the military has fully automatic assault rifles, but you never fight the military until the very end. Mm-hmm. Um, or the actual like 
what the remains of the U.S. government. Honestly, I don't. That is kind of a plot hole in my mind. Like where all the high-powered weaponry is, because the WLF they're all using like pretty old-school semi-automatic rifles. Yeah, um, or carbines. Like we do kind of yeah. get the backstory that the that Seattle is. I mean, as we knew it in Last of Us Two, and then like in the twenty years of the Cordyceps pandemic, quote unquote, like they experienced a civil war where they bombed the living, ever living crap out of each other. Oh, you're right. They did just lay waste. So I don't know, but I don't know if that totally erases the fact that, you know, the military had high powered weapons and (laughs) yeah, maybe they kept that away as a immersion factor. That is one of the, one of the things I was thinking about, like where, so they had tanks, obviously, right? They had tanks, they had boats, they they even had cars, you know, you, there's this one scene where uh, Jesse and uh, Ellie are overlooking the, they're looking at the, um, what is it? The, the bridge, I believe it is. Like the, the bridge bridges. leading up to where the aquarium area is. And you see cars on the, on the, on the bridge. Yeah. yeah. Just like, whoa. Okay. So they have all that, but where is, you know, just <laughs> automatic maybe, firearms or whatnot. Maybe it's because like, it wasn't that serious of a threat. You know, we're just facing basic patrols and such. We're not facing the army, mm-hmm. you know, that we see at the end where we have those speedboats and all that military equipment and such. Yeah. One, I haven't thought about one uh one gameplay thing that I that I was gonna ask um what were some of the okay so we know we're we're deeply we're acutely aware that this game has a lot of objective improvements but even so what were some of the more annoying or overlooked elements in your opinion because I, I hear one of the criticisms is that you have to I think this was a thing in the old game too but for whatever reason people are pointing it out more with this game it's the fact that you have to open so many filing cabinets and different things what what do you say to that so i will say that you kind of have the option to not do that but i think that would be unfair to players that want to have a lot of ammo like i did Mm -hmm. it it doesn't bother me just because that's my play style but i can understand how it would bother someone you know naughty dog dove has does or have incorporated a lot of different accessibility features into this game that allow you to kind of bypass that like you can they added a ping into this game where it's kind of like sonar and, and all the items in your radius will blip. Mm-hmm. So you just know where they are. It's also dependent on your difficulty. So as you get harder difficulties, resources will be more scarce. Because I was playing on hard and I was like, man, half the cabinets I'm opening don't have anything in them. Don't have anything. So it was yeah. a little frustrating. I will say that didn't bother me as much as, and this is a complaint from the original game, uh, it did not bother me as much as stealth kills taking a pretty long time. Yeah. Um, it's it gets a little obnoxious, but I think the game kind of gives you a middle finger. But one of the one of the abilities for both Ellie and Abby is that uh, stealth kills are shortened dra- dramatically um, in the stealth trees for both of them. So I got those immediately. Wait, uh, are you saying because... that in the first game, uh, stealth kills took way longer as opposed to this so, game? Or no, so so a complaint about the first game, in addition to looting the cabinets and stuff is that joel's strangling animation was way too long right um but i disagree i think it was really immersive to see the enemy like claw at your face and see joel's you know the veins popping out of his neck and, and mm-hmm. such you know there's a lot of detail there i'm not saying detail sells the game um that's kind of my problem with some rockstar games like red dead 2 like oh the horse poops you know then yeah. that kind of sells the game but there's a lot of little nitty-gritty details in less of us too that make it shine i think and and against going back to the looting it doesn't really ruin the game for me because it's not a big feature. You know, a lot of these items are actually out in the open. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're on top of things. But there are some stuff that it's a little obnoxious to get to. Uh, however, 
I will say anything that's part of the immersion, and this is kind of a gray area, you know, if you're a person that values immersion, values realism, you'll, mm-hmm. you have no problem. If you're someone like me, where I really don't care about immersion and realism, mm-hmm. it can be annoying, but it really, in terms of The Last of Us 2, and it's about a game about perspective and setting you in a universe and letting you know what universe you're in, yeah. I had no problem with it. It really just let me know, you know, I'm a scavenger and stuff like that. But yeah, I can, which is I why can, I'm surprised yeah. that you finished the game at the length that you did. Like for me, <laughs> I would, 27 hours would not be enough for me. Well, maybe it would be. Like just if you're playing the game nonstop for that long and you're exploring every nook and cranny, and 27 hours is a long time to finish a game, right? For oh, yeah. because games used to be like you could beat Half Life two, what, four hours or eight hours. I mean, yeah. you're not speedrunning or anything. You could be yeah. Those games used to be eight hours, and now we're, we're fast forward to now. It's like at least a 25 hour GTA or uh, Red Dead. Um, which is why I was surprised that you finished the game in such an amount of time. But what I will say is um. I, I did, <laughs> you and I had a parallel where you played The Last of Us one, two weeks before. I watched, I went back and rewatched the, somebody played the remaster um, mm-hmm. on survival difficulty. And that, it is true, like you can't, the listening is completely out on the survival difficulty in yeah. Last of Us. Um, one thing I think maybe the first game might have done better and maybe it's due to the fact that ellie is smaller and has the ability to be more elusive i felt like the npcs that you played with whether it was dina or more so dina than jesse um which i I gotta preface i like the way that the npcs i like the characteristics that they have you know not npcs characters so like uh, dina will wait for you to initiate the action before like killing someone so if you sneak up yeah. on someone, uh, she will take out the other person. Uh, whereas Jesse, he'll just go ramble in and you got to go for it. You know, go right for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and it, it kind of shows to how combatively available, uh, able those guys are. But I felt like in terms of them following you around and being out in the open, I felt like Ellie did a better job of hiding in the first game. Whereas this game, like it. There were parts where I watched it. It was it kind of took me out of the moment to see Dina clearly out in the open and in the line of sight of the enemy. But then the enemy will only yeah. see her if he sees if they see you. You know. So how did you feel about right. that? So it's kind of like a pick your own poison issue. Mm-hmm. I had the same exact issue in the first game, and I will say I kind of disagree with you. In the first game, I replayed it this time, and I was like, I cannot believe how annoying Ellie is being right now because the AI is a little tricky in that game. Like yeah. especially when you have two NPCs, like. Or even three with Henry, Sam, and Ellie, or mm-hmm. with uh, Tess and Ellie, or David and his little and his uh, little guy friend that he brings. It just gets ridiculous, especially because their audio is so clear of where they're stepping, and they're just shuffling around a clicker, and the clicker doesn't notice mm. them. Yeah. Uh, but in this game, I rarely ever noticed Dina or Jesse or Lev or Yara getting in my way and i think naughty dog took a lot of steps to make sure that doesn't happen although i did notice it a couple times right like dina kind of shuffles around the corner of a table and i know that if i did that the enemy would see me but they didn't dina it's a pick your own poison would you rather get that ruined for you because you know it's a little it breaks the immersion or would you rather have the game be absolutely ruined for you and have have them notice notice your companion yeah yeah I would not want that yeah, at all. Yeah, I wouldn't want that either. See, that's a different. That's why I wanted to ask because you, yeah, man, this is one of those games that I'm pissed at myself for not having a console. Like it, oh, it's yeah. just, it's it, I'm a, I'm actually 
it actually might be working on me in the sense that it's making me actually want to save up for a PS5 and play the remaster when it comes out, you know, just to see yeah, how much it changes. Yeah, definitely do that. They did it for Last of Us 1. They'll yeah. definitely do it for this one. Yeah, so yeah, that's one of, that was just, I think of all the things, maybe from a visual standpoint, and I, can, I think it depends on your play style, right? Like, if you're an aggressive play style, the NPC is not, or they're, your companion isn't going to be that much of an issue for you. But if you if you play this like a Metal Gear Solid thing where you're really stealth, your your target is stealth. Um, I guess for the person that I was watching, he was both a combination of stealth and Rambo. You know, he mm-hmm. could um, his MO was to take everyone out. And what you were mentioning earlier about the variety of playstyles, right? You have the option to run, and it feels like a chase scene when you do run. As opposed oh, yeah. to the game forcing you to get into combative situations every single time. You could, um, do you think it's possible to play the game uh, in total stealth? Like, could you sneak your way to, say, Nora in that hospital? Or could you sneak your way to, like, could you really sneak your way around the scars when you're going to yeah. that house? So, I will say in The Last of Us 1... Absolutely. There are so many encounters that you can just sneak through, mm-hmm. more so with infected than humans. Um, right. And I know for this game, that's the same. I've definitely uh, heard from other people that you can totally non-lethal encounters. I don't know which ones. Like the hospital with Nora is a little shady for me, but I know you can still do it. But this game definitely does put you in situations where you, you have to use violence in combat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like I said, or I don't think I clarified. My play style was kind of half and half, like the playthrough you were watching. I basically would try to stealth as many enemies as I could before I inevitably messed up and got caught. And then I would, you know, You'd take out the kill, the, yeah. Take out the shotgun, take out the revolver, take out the stun bombs, and just go to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is kind of the the best way to play the game, kind of half and half. But you know, I know some people that played super aggro, and I know some people that played super stealth. So there's there's definitely mm-hmm. different ways. I think there are some specific encounters, more so with infected than humans, because infected are a little easier to sneak by than humans. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Well, the I, game, I, yeah, the game still encouraged it. It's like any other game, take completely taking out your opponent is going to be a lot easier than putting them to sleep. You know, like oh, yeah. with Deus Ex, I, I remember like the first time I played through that, I was a complete pacifist. I wanted to be, you know. <laughs> I want it to be just like, oh, you know, only kill when it's absolutely necessary. Whereas this game, right. I feel like a lot of people, and we're getting, uh, we're now getting into the kind of pacing slash execution of, say, characters and their actions or whatnot. I feel like if Joel was this brute force that, you know, he confronts everything, you know, I felt like Ellie, maybe, I, I expected, I, I, I'll say, I expected Ellie to be um, more elusive. But it seemed like in this game, they just gave you, they, they sort of made Ellie into this, you know, I don't want to say Joel clone, but when he died, it's like she took on his persona in, in, on taking things. In yeah. So what would you say yeah. to that? Uh, in response to that, I will say that obviously because she's a more nimble looking, you know, she's a female character and she has a, a stiletto switchblade instead of like her bare fists or a machete like Joel or a shiv. Mm-hmm. Um, she does give off more of like a nimble, elusive persona. I understand that. But um, you can definitely play her as that. You can absolutely play her as that. You can use your stiletto. In the first game, however, this is what I'm going back to, you get to play as Ellie once in the base game, right. and then the entire DLC you play as Ellie. Uh, right. She is brutal. 
She is absolutely brutal. And because she's tiny, you don't get the full scale of her savagery. Mm-hmm. But even when she's tiny, you know, she's jumping on dudes' backs because she's so light. And she is stabbing them to death all the way to the ground. Yeah. Um, she, her way around her handgun. So she's like a rifle. shiv master and just like... Yeah. She embodied stealth in that first game. Where you could play stealth with Joel, but it's like you have this power. You can bash a dude's head in with like a pipe. Why yeah, wouldn't that's you? Why, you know? That's why I loved Abby so much. And we can get to that too. Yeah. You do play as two characters in this game. Uh, spoilers for they're not really. I think everyone kind of knows that. Yeah. And Abby is an absolute beast. She has those gigantic Popeye arms. And she can... One, I think a noticeable difference is she doesn't have Ellie's knife. Ellie's knife allows you to kill clickers and encounter yeah. infected, grab you. And yeah, Abby just stuff. grabs the neck Abby, and pops it off or just like suffocates you. And she can't execute clickers and stuff like that she has to craft her own knives or shivs with blade and mm. and, binding and, such. and that's what joel had to do too um and then also abby has a skill tree dedicated to a special character ability which i did not expect to see in the last of us of all games called momentum in her melee uh tree where oh. if she gets a one hit kill off of someone say off of a a stagger like hitting them with a bottle a brick mm. or a stun bomb that it starts a timer and during that timer if she only one shots people with melee mm. or what's called a strike in this game so it's called momentum because if you can keep meleeing enemies you're just an absolute machine and it, it really helped me out in this one section where you're with yara and lev after you help them escape and uh, they have to open the door for you in that one basement of the demolished building with all the infected mm-hmm. and the other side you have to defend i had a machete or like a pipe or something and i just kept beating the crap out of these zombies just one shying them left and right and it was so good um so that you know abby i think is designed to be a little more brute force her weapons are certainly more brute force she has a crossbow she has a crossbow as opposed to a bow which is a little more you know it's less elegant than the bow i'd argue Mm-hmm. And she has incendiary shells with a shotgun. She has a semi-auto rifle with way more ammo than Ellie could ever dream of having. And she has uh, a pistol that just one-shots everything. She's way more brutal. And, uh, and her campaign is certainly less straightforward than Ellie's, and it's certainly more action-packed. You know, in her, you know, in Ellie, you're just going through WLF territory, through Seraphite territory, these kind of more linear encounters. With Abby, you're going to skyscrapers. You're going to you literally go to ground zero of the infection in Seattle, and you fight the source of the infection, that gigantic, uh, what they call the Rat King zombie boss, mm-hmm. with that dying part of it that rips itself yeah. off the body. You know, you don't get that with Ellie, and I think that's for a specific reason. Abby's absolutely supposed to be more action packed, more complex, more enthralling, and more adrenaline pumped, which I I absolutely adored because. While you still have to kind of preserve your ammo, like Ellie, you get so much more mm-hmm. and you face so much more. You know, you you have what I would argue is the best encounter in the entire game with Abby, and that's when you're on Haven, the Seraphite headquarter island, and you're fighting through both uh, or and both WLF yeah. and are fighting each other, and then they notice you, and then everyone's fighting you, but they're fighting each other. It's it's phenomenal. That was a very heartbreaking kind of. At that point, because I don't know about you, but watching the experience, right? Just watching this conflict unfold, it's just, I mean, the whole game you can, can, you can say that is very emotionally fatiguing. But at that point, it's just like, wow. Yeah. I what think have we that's come really, to? Yeah. The game 
really shows its themes. And I won't say it wears its themes on its sleeves, because uh, obviously a lot of people, I think, miss the point of this game. And I think we're starting to close in on the, the story and such as we move on from the gameplay. But yeah, we I have, I have so that. much more. Well, to, to get onto that, um, let's get to it. So pacing, yeah. right? Did the pacing of the game work for you? Because a lot of the criticism, which I feel somewhat, a lot of it, if, if I'm being honest, is somewhat warrant, is warranted. You know, execution of scenes and how they are sequenced. So everything from flashbacks, being inside flashbacks, you know, plot reveals versus implications. Um, right. Did the pacing of the game work for you? I will say, I, I agree with you. The criticism is certainly warranted because this game really breaks a lot of rules of structure. Mm-hmm. Um, gameplay wise, before we even get in touch with the story, gameplay wise, you know, you fully upgrade Ellie and you feel so accomplished, and then you switch to Abby, who starts at square one. Mm-hmm. So it throws off the game a little bit, where it's like, oh, now I'm back to having one long gun and one small gun, mm-hmm. my pistol, and my rifle, and I don't even have a knife. I don't even have pills to upgrade. I don't have parts to upgrade my weapons. I don't have crafting recipes yet. I haven't even found all my crafting recipes. So it feels like you start back from square one. Yeah, I understood that. That kind of frustrated me at first, but then I realized what they were doing, and that's when I was like, "Okay, I buy this." But in terms of story, when the first flashback sequence occurs, uh, where you're with Joel at the museum, I was like, "Oh, this oh, is really nice." That I that, don't. I was so yeah. broken by that. That was so to yeah. me. That was beautiful because I think watching it, it's like it felt like a break. Whereas gaming for you, I'm I'm sure like you have to actually move the joystick to. Like, but yeah, what were you saying yeah. about it? it uh, First off, I like to say the Jurassic Park reference was incredible. <laughs> it's like the sequel wasn't as good. I thought it was fantastic. Mm. But uh, I didn't, more so than I enjoyed it, I was like, why is this here? Like, why did they decide to insert this flashback? Yeah. I did notice that. But then after there's more flashbacks with Ellie and more flashbacks with Abby, I started to catch on that these flashbacks were placed there for very specific reasons. And that's because they're at the same point in each other's stories. And those points are significant events. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can't recount all of them, but you know, after Ellie or Abby gets knocked out or after they, a big reveal happens with Owen or a big reveal happens with Dina goes to this flashback where I think it's trying to show you that times were more simple and times were good before. And this is where I say again, they try to hammer the themes a little bit, you know, things were good before revenge took center stage yeah Um, and the closer we get to revenge the more hectic it gets and that's you know that's kind of the message of the game and we can talk about that later when we start focusing on the story but you know that that is facing and yeah the flashback at first was like eh, and the switch to abby at first was like oof but as the game started to you know the game i felt like the game was telling me aiden like you gotta trust me man you just gotta trust me right now like this is gonna work and i was like okay you know, I'm pretty open-minded when it comes to these things, and it just it just worked for me in the end. I Which is think why, it, it, yeah, it worked. No, I get it. Which is why I think it's understandable that for some people it might not work for, you know, because no, yeah. the elephant in the room, if it isn't already stated, obviously clear on this pot, you know, in the time that we've been talking, every when it cuts to Abby in the middle of the game, what you have in the back of your mind is the last image you had of her, which is. Her bashing Joel's head in, you know? So, right. and that's like, that's, I think we're talking about why this game has had the emotion, had the reaction that it has, is that a lot of people reacted, understandably so, I think, 
very poorly to suddenly to first of all joe's death right so let's just go ahead and let me ask you right off the bat in your honest opinion was joe's death handled correctly and would you if you were neil or you were you were the developers if you were if you were naughty dog would you and this kind of ties into pacing and sequencing as well would you have handled that differently would you have paced that differently so i thought about it in my head well first when it happened just did not expect it at all mm-hmm. did not expect it at all as soon i saw it coming as the scene got set up but i didn't expect to see that so early in the game uh i think they handled it perfectly i think mm. there's a reason that it is so brutal right like a lot of the reason that people are upset is because he doesn't die pretty. He gets destroyed by Abby, yep. who we don't know yet, obviously. And I thought to myself, I was like, if they were going to kill Joel, when should they have done it? After completing the entire game. Yeah. And I thought, if this was the story they wanted to tell of Abby and Ellie, not of Joel, and even more than Abby and Ellie, of violence and hatred, they have to they have to use Joel as the catalyst to kick this whole thing off. So I agree with it completely. I thought it was handled very well. There's one thing that drives me absolutely insane. And a lot of people are with me on this. Manny? Yeah. The, the <laughs> I knew you were gonna talk. I knew we were, we were gonna get to that. <laughs> anyone to anyone listening, I am I am half Mexican, half Puerto Rican, fully Latino, very passionate about my heritage. Manny drove me insane. <laughs> and when he when he Spits on Joel. I was like, okay, fine. And then he says in the most like enhanced Mexican accent, he goes, burn in hell, pendejo. I was just like, what the fuck? I was just like, what's going on? It kind of almost ruined it for me because it's such a shocking moment. So I would probably remove that. Um, But yeah, if I were Druckmann and if I were this, this dev team, I don't think I would be able, I would be capable of even thinking of killing off Joel. You know, a lot of people wanted just another Joel and Ellie story. Joel and Ellie take revenge on Abby for killing Dina or for killing Tommy or something. And, you know, that could have worked. That certainly could have worked. The problem is that it's so much less risky than what they did. And for me, the risk absolutely paid off. For some, it totally didn't. And I, Druckmann knew that because he, I think he said in a tweet before or in an interview, he's like, this is going to be divisive. But mm-hmm. it's that same Last Jedi logic. Um, and either love it or I hate it, about, you know. Yeah, how I feel about Last Jedi is not relevant, but Ryan Jones or Ryan Jones, however you say his name, Ryan Johnson, yeah, Ryan Johnson, excuse me, said, you know, when you know what's good for a story, you want to take the risk. And then Mark Hamill says, well, no, you want to please the fans. That's essentially this game. However, I think the risk that they took is much greater than the Last Jedi's risk, and it pays off indefinitely more. Yeah, you can so definitely say that. The decision for me absolutely works. And I kind of understand why it wouldn't if you've played, if you haven't completed the game. I think once you complete the game, you kind of have to realize, like, oh shit, like I see what they're going for. I think Dunkey says it in his video, you know, it's like, yeah, duh. Like everyone's like, it's a bold move. Why would they do it? It's like, have you played the game? Like, yeah. and you know, not knowing why it happened, I think is genius. Cause then when you, reveal 
And this is kind of the, the key moment, I would argue. All of this boils down to when you play as Abby in her first flashback and you find out that Joel brutalized her father in the first game. If you empathize with her, the game has done its job. If you don't, then the game's just not going to work for you. Yeah, and that's, you hit it right on the nail, like just the, the fact that um, empathy, right? I mean, forgiveness right. being, I think forgiveness is, like, I think, the bigger theme. People, people say this is a revenge story, and that's the premise, right? Right. Abby or Ellie both trying to extract their revenge. I think, but um, this is a really interesting kind of, psychological study on the nature of gaming in general um i i feel yeah. like it's a it opens the doors to a lot of interesting conversations about human nature which i can't remember the last game to do this really did you know which is why yeah. i think it's worth talking in a you know talking in an open manner about um just the reaction to joel's death i think and because it it's unavoidable for the most part in that it ties into your feeling as you're playing Abby. Because I see a lot right. of people, they get some real gratification of, of making her kill herself. Oh, yeah. Know? They they send her off cliffs. They let her get ripped apart. I by saw the, the um, playthrough that I was watching. I don't know if he did it on purpose, but he, it's like Ellie shot. Oh, man. I, before, before I get into that, um, if and when a remaster is made, Right, because you know it's you know it's coming. Am I right? Do you think they will attempt to change things around a little bit? And if they did that, uh, or you know, if do you think they'll attempt to change things or keep in the real nature of the original game? And if they did that, would it hurt the legitimacy of the original? And before I let you go, um, I think what they have currently, the sequence, the in terms of actual events because i'm not one of those people that's calling for it to be completely remade and that's just unreasonable you know seven years of work right. they're not gonna go back and change animations recast re-speak dialogue but i i feel like what they have the the events that they have makes sense to me but um i think it'd be personally i think it'd be interesting to see them toy around slightly with how events are structured so one one of the um one of, one of the things that i kind of thought about was do you feel like abby's portion at the very beginning could have been better presented or omitted entirely or do you think it was good as it is um i think it was good as it is because one in the beginning you start off at the wlf base and the parallels start hitting you right then and there because it's the same opening with ellie when she's walking through the town through jackson mm -hmm. right there's kids at school there's people working out there's people dancing you know there's merchants now there's an economy now you know there's a i believe in i think it's both the clothing store in both jackson and the uh the stadium for the wlf there's community there's happiness and that just works so much for the themes and it works so much for me because I begin to unravel Abby and her friends and her role in this community as a character. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I still hated her. I was like, Oh my God, Abby. I was just like this, this freaking right. evil. Woman. And it really starts clicking for you. And I will say, uh, then when you leave the WLF base immediately scar ambush scar attack, cause it lets you know this world's not pretty. And the WLF are bigger than Jackson. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, that means their threats are going to be equally bigger than what Jackson has to face. And uh, you have to get some type of introduction to Mel and to Manny because that makes Manny's death a little more hurtful and it makes Abby's betrayal of Mel hurt even more. Mm-hmm. And it makes and it makes you even more disappointed in Ellie for killing Owen and Mel. Wait, Abby's betrayal of Mel or Mel's betrayal of Abby? Or Abby's betrayal of Mel because Abby takes it or Abby has sex with Owen. Oh right, right. Yeah. He right, has all the memes and you know, that's obviously Mel's husband. So yeah. and, and Mel knows it's it's complete betrayal because Abby knew that Owen was with Mel. So it makes it more hurtful. And it makes it even more hurtful that that was the last thing on her mind before she was killed by Ellie. There was no forgiveness there. Yeah, I, I sort of interpret that a little differently. I don't know. Okay, this is where I have to preface. I think I'm a, I'm really dumb, man. Because like I, I looked at that. I looked at Abby, and I flat out thought that was a trans character. Yeah, so I thought that's I had... where the controversy was from. Like, oh, and she's trans. You know, like, so... and you know, but. Her voice acting, she sounds nothing like what, okay, no, no, not saying all trans sound the same, but like, dude, that, that's a woman voicing her, you know? Right. And, you know, it's, it's mainly because the leaks said that there was a trans character, and they were correct. There is a trans character. They were correct, yeah. But they said the trans character was named Abby, and she beats Joel to death with, the, with a golf club. And then when we see Abby as this just absurdly buff woman. You buy it. I buy it. have to go. Oh, she's the she might be the trans character so i i actually bought it too i texted my friends I was like yo i think abby's trans not that i would have issue with it but i was like i think you know and that might be a little forced but then you know i can't not say that once it was revealed that she wasn't trans that i was like relieved almost but i was just kind of glad for the story and the because i really don't think naughty dog beats your head with its its politics at all during no, this game not at it all never, not in my opinion never, no it, no, a lot of people are like, "Oh, Naughty Dog's so woke." I'm boycotting this game. I'm like, you, if you, you'll, you might be surprised at how not injected they are into this game. I think they're used in meaningful ways, personally. Yeah. Despite how you feel about all this type of stuff, and obviously we don't need to talk about that right now. But I think they're used in meaningful ways. No, that's so yeah, fine. I, I did genuinely think that Abby was the trans character that I had heard so much about. Yeah. Uh, so I didn't read the leaks before the game, but I knew there was a trans character. That's For another me- thing they got. It sort of changed the way I saw Abby because I didn't read into the leaks, right? So Abby, I just interpreted, oh, they're really, they're really fine. She's transgender. But everything about the way she moved and talked and, you know, and you know, even her running animation is still somewhat feminine. Um, not, okay, shoot. But like, I just didn't buy that this was a transgender character. Right. I didn't. And it turns out she wasn't. This is just some girl that has... And it, it, to me, it changes a little bit for me in the sense that this girl harbors so much bitterness, harbors, understandably so. I mean, you see your dad get killed right. by this unknown face. And like that then pushes her to want to train you because it was even, it was, it was hinted at in her cutscenes with Owen, just like, no, we have training. I can't miss training. This, right. this girl has worked her body to a point where she, she wants, she wants this one thing so badly. She's willing to completely change the, phys- the physical nature of her body, you know, which is why Absolutely. her fights. Uh, I know we're jumping around a little bit here, but like her versus Ellie. 
in a one-on-one match, who's going to win, man? It's Abby. Yeah, her. You know, even yeah. Abby versus Joe. I don't know if Joe is going to win. Joe's old. I don't even... This dude, this Abby girl, has is the lead. As we know, she has a reputation with the WLF. You know, she has as a like reputation a as the top scar killer. You know? Um, yeah. Not that I agree completely with how her... Um, because it, it's like you said, even when you do play her, even when you do get, you know, get why you're playing her, you still hate her. Oh, yeah. You At never first. stop. I, I never stopped, like, feeling bad for her. And you could argue, she arguably gets the worst end of the stick, in my opinion. Like, we, like, the game, like, the, I feel like a lot of the criticism, the, the massive hatred I see is the fact that people think that the game manipulates you or attempts to manipulate you into, um, into thinking that Abby is the real hero here. No one really is the real hero. Yeah, that's. I think that's the point. Yeah. No one. I think if you really wanted to get technical in terms of narrative structure, Abby technically is the hero, and I think Naughty Dog has kind of stated that before. But that's not the point. I think the point is that both of them, you know, like I said, you're jumping around, but you know, it doesn't really matter. Both of them strip each other's lives of everything that they yeah. love, and they yeah. almost do it completely at the end. But there's obviously one act of selflessness displayed at the end that we'll get to uh, that prevents that from happening. But yeah. yeah you have to empathize with Abby at one point. If you don't empathize with her, like, I, I think, you know, I, I found it so ironic because the people that are like, you should kill Abby. Oh my God, I can't wait to see you, you know, drown her, stab her to death. You know, she should die. You know, mm-hmm. this is the game for you. Like, this game was made for you. Because that type of ideology is mm-hmm. not good. This game highlights. And then a lot of people are saying, oh, revenge is bad. I don't need a game to tell me that. But they're the same people that say, I want Abby to die. It's like, you're kind of a little backwards there, man. Yeah. Well, imagine you know, if, if the first game had been about Abby and her father. You know? Right. Imagine for a second that, you know, you play as basically the doctor trying to save the world. This guy who's able and supposedly, I mean, science aside, right? You can't, you can't reverse engineer a fungal disease in the brain. But it's like, okay, you have this ability and... You know, you go throughout the game surviving and going at extreme lengths to survive. You have Abby along your side. You form a good relationship with her. You know, stuff happens. At the very end of the game, this dude comes in with supposedly an immune girl, right? And then at the end of the game, he kills you. And that's it. That's the ending you're stuck with, you know? Yeah. And so you would think, oh, The Last of Us 2, Abby's going to take revenge on... on, on um. On this dude but no what ends up happening is then you're switched to this perspective where you have to play as joe and ellie what you know the the characters yeah. that killed the people that might have saved the world what you yeah. know and that you loved right yeah yeah totally and i think that you've just so eloquently highlighted a, another point of this game and that's perspective mm-hmm. the only reason that people root for ellie and get so mad that she doesn't kill abby is because you had a game with her beforehand. Correct. But if you started off, you know, from this game, and if you just start off right at the at Joel's death being the catalyst, none of them are, are really in the right in what they do until the very end. And that's really powerful, I think. And a lot of people are reducing it, I think, very unfairly to it's as 
basic of a message of, of violence is bad or revenge is bad, but you can kind of do that with any work, which is why I, I disregard those arguments completely. The game's message, you know, it might be a little more on the simple end, but it's executed so well. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, we haven't really had this in a game before, and I think it's genius. I yeah, I, I can't, it, like, reiterating what I said, what we've been saying, it's like, I can't remember game really where it asks you to it tells it makes you disagree with yourself in 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 in-depth ways that i haven't seen before but going maybe back to abby's portion did you i sort of felt like her um her section was a little long like i know ellie's section was supposed to be long anyway because that's who we come in expecting to play as right but do you feel like abby's portion could have been trimmed and a little more airtight so correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe they're of equal length in terms of chapters. They might not be of equal length in terms of time dedicated to those chapters, but if you divide the game into like levels, which it really doesn't, sure, they, they have equal portions. But mm-hmm. obviously, I think I think Abby's is a little bit longer because mm-hmm. of the whole Scar plot. And I addressed this earlier. You know, Ellie's plot is much more straightforward than Abby's. It's just Correct. getting to Abby. Just getting to Abby, yeah, and. You know, Abby's, a lot of people have been criticizing Abby's. They're like, there's no goal. There's no point. You're just wandering. I disagree. Um, but, you know, it's, all, it's very hectic. You start out by just trying to find Owen. And then you find scars. And then these scars help you escape. And then you have to help these scars get back to that. And then you're caught between a war between the faction you once swore allegiance to. And, you know, it is, it is, is it, it's a lot. I'll say that it's so much, but it's my favorite portion of the game. So I don't think it could have been trimmed. Uh, I will say a lot of people have been criticizing, and a couple of people close to me have been criticizing the amount of combat encounters in this game. Um, it does seem kind of uh, excessive, a little bit. There, in, might, you know. there might be, you know, two or three that you could just get rid of entirely. But um, I love the combat so much in this game. And once again, you know, it's a video game. Um, you have to play a portion of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it just works for me. I, I didn't find the combat too egregiously uh, drawn out in this game or the amount of encounters. Thought, I thought it worked very well. So yeah, I, I probably wouldn't trim Abby's portion just because I also don't have a game right in front of me. And I, I, it's been a week. It's been close to a week yeah. since I uh, since I beat it because I beat it on Saturday. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I, I don't have the best memory of it, but I really enjoyed my time as Abby. And I will say I, I enjoyed the gameplay of Abby more than Ellie, actually, which might be a hot take, but I, I really enjoyed playing as Abby. Like, I, I, I don't think that's too invalid because I don't think that's off at all. Um, because Abby is, I mean, if we're, if we're just talking facts here, Abby's a little more traditional in terms of like the game archetype. You know, she's more powerful, which is why I think um, for me, objectively, I, I feel with Abby's portion, there's one... If I had to eliminate, and for me, I felt it was too long. I, I, I me personally, I, um, the entire time while watching the Abbey portion, for me, I always had in the back of my mind, well, you know, I've been rooting for Ellie this whole time, you know, which, which goes back to what the game is trying to make you do, right? But for me, it's just like I, I became so attached to Ellie and just like her and Dina for that matter, just like her, um, her. Um, and in a lot of ways, I feel like the game may have been, in my personal opinion, maybe a little more, it, it might have been stronger if it was more Ellie 
less Abby, but when Abby comes in, it's very poignant, very airtight. Like one section in Abby's, um, Abby's gameplay that I feel could have been handled differently is the whole Yara and Lev thing, which I feel, first of all, those characters are actually pretty good, all things considered. Oh, yeah. Yara right? and Lev are great. Like they, um, for Lev to be the only transgender, I don't think I've heard anybody that has a problem with them, really. No, absolutely not, because they handle it so well. Yeah, but I feel like, sorry, I, 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 I'll keep this short. I yeah, feel like Lev's, if they'd have, as much as I was okay with Yara's character, if they'd have killed her, you know, because the game kind of, where it, where it felt long was the fact that um, we go all this, we do all this to get her medicine, right? We get, have that amazing skyscraper sequence um, mm-hmm. and whatnot, but then the game just kills her off. So in my opinion, that's like, wow, that, that kind of, in, in that amount of time, we could have had a situation where another character was injured, like say Owen was injured mm-hmm. or whatnot, and where, shoot, we got to go get, you know, Ellie, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, Abby came within an inch of death, but because of this one, um, because of Lev, she lives. But, you know, at that point, they could have, um, the scars, they could have executed Yara in a certain way, you know? Yeah. And at that point, and that, that whole, um, I don't really know how to phrase it, but yeah, like the whole Yara getting medicine for her and then having her get shot, even though she takes down uh, Isaac. Well, right. I feel of all characters, I wanted to see a lot, maybe not a lot more, but just a bit more of Isaac. Because he, feel, he felt like in this game, in this game of somewhat um, well-handled characters, and, you know, characters who have influence, I felt like he was given the least amount of spotlight when he should have been maybe a little more. He yeah, should have been given I, a little more, in my opinion. I felt very similarly. I wanted more Isaac, not only because he, he's Jeffrey Wright, who is a great actor. Right. But, you know, he's very, he's very intense and he's the mm-hmm. leader of the WLF. But then when I, I realized that we weren't ever going to meet the leader of the Seraphites, the prophet, the mother, yeah. uh, then I was okay with it because I guess they're not that important. And uh, I guess to, I'm playing a little devil's advocate. I do feel a little similarly. I'm like, oh, like Yara just kind of dies, but it, her getting the medicine does allow for her to save your guys' ass when confronted with Isaac, right? Right. Uh, however, I, I do kind well, of agree with you that maybe there could have been something else there. Uh, but then again, you could argue that getting Owen medicine is also pointless because Ellie just destroys him either way. So, you know, they had to use some type of plot device to get Abby and, and Lev to bond back in seattle and i think yara's injury was, was a good mechanism for that i didn't really have a strong problem i initially with that. thought the bond between them and this is where my my stupidity comes into play i thought the bond between them was because i thought again i thought abby was trans oh i i, I, I didn't realize aiden i did not realize it until after the game and it, the whole time i'm thinking you know what this would be great this this kind of would be better if it was just like a normal girl or not if it was a girl extracting her revenge who would just like managed to get so buff because of like years of dedication and lord behold that was true the entire time you know so maybe don't take my opinion too to um to the nail on that one it's just like um yeah that was in in abby's portion I just firmly, I think there could have maybe been a better way to, because with, with a story like this, I always look at how do we make it airtight and how do we make the conflict slash urgency of the story feel more central? 
you know, mm-hmm. and I felt like Ellie's portion was pretty linear, but that's for a purpose. You know, did you have, I, I, maybe the, um, there's this one criticism I hear or several is that right after Joel's head gets bashed and what are you doing with Dino? You're just going around Seattle looking at cabinets and exploring Seattle. And you know, that it's a right. lengthy section that some people think is a detractor from the pace, you know? I would also disagree there because I think they give you ample enough time to mourn Joel, which is good. Um, and, you know, I'm not I'm not saying it's imperfect, but it's it's what I yeah, hear yeah. is a criticism, yeah. you know. And you have to realize that you're journeying from Wyoming to to Washington it takes a while. That is a giant, giant journey, and you know, has weeks if not months. I believe it takes months for Ellie to get from from uh, the farm by Jackson to Santa Barbara, you know, and, and if you, it takes you three days to get through Seattle, imagine how many days it right. takes you to get from, you know, South central, central Southwestern United States all the way up to the Northwestern United States. Mm-hmm. Um, that's ample time more, especially when you have a companion like Dina, who's really helpful, really useful. And it also, what I think is it gives a lot of time for, the effects of Dina's pregnancy to start developing when she starts to become the hindrance toward the end of day one, the beginning of day two. Right. Credits so to her need- though. Hmm? I feel like credits to her because she, um, yeah, it was, do you think that was choreographed ahead of time? Like, could you, did, did, did you see that particular thing come in her pregnancy or was it like a, no. was it handled yeah. right in your opinion? I did not see her becoming pregnant at okay. all. And it, I think it's great that it's Jesse's child. Yeah. Because one, it allows for Dina and Ellie to live a life on the farm with a child, right? Because obviously, you know, they're both women, they can't procreate. And it also allows for some part of Jesse to live on past him. Yeah. Because Jesse's a great character. I liked him a lot. He's a solid man. And unfortunately, he meets his end at the hands of Abby. So I thought the pregnancy was handled well. And then when people are like, oh, Mel is pregnant. You know, there's so many pregnant characters. It's not just because being pregnant, it's kind of an easy way to make people sympathize with the character. It's I love because, that you mentioned that. Yeah, they, the, the stories parallel each other, right? Mm-hmm. And this is when the game started giving massive amounts of anxiety. Oh, Ellie yeah. Ellie was pregnant, right? So she's, she's, she's ended her chances of the child living as well. So Owen, mm-hmm. Owen's lineage. And yep. this is where Abby's act comes into play because as you're playing as Abby and you're headed toward the theater, I was having massive anxiety and I was going, oh my God, they're foils, they're parallel stories. Both are going to have a dead pregnant woman. Holy shit, Abby's going to kill Dina. And I was so And she worried. would have. She probably was going to, if not for... Probably Lev or whatnot. Yeah, for Lev. And, um, and that's really important, I think, too. Yeah, it's not just to get you to... It's not a cheap way of getting you to empathize with the character. If anything, I think it's more risky. But it, it just works so well. Yeah. Because then it shows... Then it sets up not only Ellie having a good life, but it sets up Abby's selfless act inspiring Ellie's as well in the in the epilogue of the game. You sort of answered uh, my question before I was even going to ask you. You know, uh, big chunk of criticism um that has been ascribed to this game is that it manipulates you into feeling 
certain emotions for characters we don't want to empathize with. Do you think this is so, you know, this is like the dog, the pregnant girl, um, yeah. you know, characters calling out names, you know, for people that you've just killed. My reaction to this is movies use manipulation all the time and we don't complain about them at all. I, you know, I'm not sure I would classify it as manipulation because manipulation has almost got like this evil sort of connotation to it where it's like, what's well, a thing in, in art? It's a thing with film. I, it happens, they, you they know, your heart and they make you, they force you to confront things that make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And one of those things that make you uncomfortable might just be that Abby's also a great woman like Ellie who's flawed, but you know, you're rooting for her and that she has reasons for killing Joel. And she, you know, you can empathize with her greatly. And that's, you know, it's a testament to how powerful storytelling is in this game. And that's why I have no issue with the, or very little issues with the pacing and the the switch to Abby is because Mm -hmm. they want to give you ample time to empathize with her. And then you start empathizing with, when those stories intersect, you empathize with all the characters that, and you reflect on it because you know they're dead, if not already, or they're going to die. Mm -hmm. You know, even the smallest of characters, for example, when you as ellie you know brutally stab that poor girl in the throat as you come up to the hospital who's playing hotline miami on a psp yeah i was like it was a psp i'm like oh my god like it's all the subliminal ps playstations you can find there's also a ps3 with like i think the like uncharted game and jack and dax are the other naughty dog games i think it's pretty funny and and there's yeah but um then you see that that girl in the same cutscene as Abby when she's at the hospital later or earlier before Ellie gets there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you were saying, the enemies call each other's names. I think something that was really sad, you know, I'm not a dog person, but when you kill a dog, the trainer will like really start crying over their body and just be like, you know, someone got my boy. It's not to manipulate you, I think, but it's really to start making you question what you're doing. And what? you really questioning ellie's quest and that's what the game's about because it's like i am trying to resolve an act of brutal violence with violence but i am destroying so many more lives in the process and at first it feels so justified it feels so good to stab these people in the throat but at the end and this is where it just works so beautifully when ellie and abby are fighting each other and they have each other within inches of death you should be horrified you should not want either of them to finish the job well, for different reasons, right? Like, um, because I feel ah, talk about the ending. Well, before we get there, like I, with with the manipulation thing, it's it's almost like it's, it isn't. Because with the dog, for example, what has the game preconditioned you to think? This game has preconditioned you to think that dogs are a very annoying threat that you should dispatch of, you know, immediately, you know. Right. These dogs will sniff you out, and so if you don't kill them, um, guess what? Or if you don't deal with them, you can't. You can't really sne- sneaking by is made, I would imagine, harder with a dog nearby. So if you wanted to go the passive route, it's near impossible, right? Um, right. so in the sense, I don't. If I was playing and watching it, I did not feel bad for the dog. I did not <laughs> feel bad for it. No, I don't. Because like, um. I don't think the game is telling you that you should be empathetic towards these people because, you know, because the game, it's not like the game allows you to not disable the dog. You know, you're, in the, you're at the aquarium. The dog's going to kill you, dude. So right. what do you do in that situation? You're, you're, if you're Ellie, you're not going to let Ellie. Um, 
Ellie does what Ellie would realistically do, and that's what this game is. You know, a lot of right. people, a lot of the criticism, or some people have been saying, a lot of people have been saying, oh, you know, this game could have been made even greater, way better with uh, player choice. No, that's not true. What you're playing no. is the characters. Yeah, you know? no, no, no. You're not playing you. You're playing the characters, exactly. And I will say, I, uh, I think I may have misspoke. Uh, I don't think the game is, like, forcing you to empathize. But mm-hmm. I do think the game's just showing you, like, this is how it would work. And this is why it's so brutal. Um, it's not saying yeah. it with any of, like, negative attitude. Maybe a little bit of negativity, obviously, because it's the theme of the game. But, yeah, it's definitely... I, I, it's not just detail. It's very intentional. It's not just to make you feel immersed. It's, it's very intentional, and it connects to the theme of the game. I do sure. see instances of where it could feel repetitive. You know, revenge is bad. You know, I, the, and that's where the outcry is for a lot of people, that it, it seems labored on. Whereas I feel like that might, that might have been resolved. For me, that might have been resolved if the story was more central to just the two of them you know um or again like talking about sequences if you 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 certainly feel like it was sequenced perfectly but if i like to imagine if the story was presented if joel's death wasn't really at the immediately at the beginning um it that again of course would have yielded an entirely different product but um guess another question i wanted to ask you before we talk about that specific ending um which character in your opinion was the weakest um and to make give you time to think about it mine would be two characters i think tommy and mel i think were um in my opinion they they weren't quote-unquote weak but they were the least in my opinion developed and um their actions to me just really kind of didn't make sense in uh-huh. in certain respects because with tommy um my reasoning for tommy is uh the very beginning he's the one who's cautious about going in you know without reinforcements without numbers he's worried right. about maria um first of all dude I, I flat out thought they killed him twice i didn't see that it was the butt of a gun i thought they killed him with a knife i thought they put a knife into his eye at the beginning of the game no yeah. and i it thought like yeah the exact and with Abby, I thought Abby shot him at the side of his head. I thought he's dead twice, and then he lives. So at the beginning yeah. of the game, you got Tommy, who um, is hesitant or appears to be hesitant, but then he goes in Rambo style by himself. Weird. Right. And at the end of the game, when he's disabled, when he sees how much, how destroyed Ellie is at that point, and he pressures her to going on, on this ridiculous goose chase to Santa Barbara. To throw away everything behind, to throw everything behind, like he's the one now instigating the conflict. To me, that felt very frustrating for me, just to see Tommy yeah. like be this, this, you know, character that, you know, is supposed to be in conjunction with Ellie, is supposed to be now like the supporter, you know. And then with Mel, to a lesser extent, I felt like, why is this pregnant woman, at least for me, why is this pregnant woman visibly pregnant woman going into war zone when everyone around her is saying don't do it you know right that is yeah so i've heard a lot of the complaints about mel and i think it's mainly because you know her husband is out there and she just doesn't Mm -hmm. know where he is and you know when you get reports that your husband's gone awol do whatever you can yeah 
you know um but yeah it is it is a little weird to see a visibly pregnant woman you know fighting and, and killing and stuff but she's she you really only get there on day one and then you'll drop her off at the aquarium but um yeah Tommy, i think tommy who's a great character by the way i i love tommy but um he's really supposed to foreshadow the route that ellie could have gone down right and and that she eventually does right with the ending but it's a little different yeah tommy turns into this really sour bitter old man almost you know we all kind of know that person in our lives and it's because that revenge he let it eat him up in the inside and it cost him not only half his face but his relationship with maria because it's eating away at him and she knows it too mm, and they right right yeah I forgot that. what's going what will happen to ellie if tommy successfully guilt tripped her and that's another thing tommy tommy was successful tommy, manipulating ellie is disgusting and it's really bad and that yeah it does frustrate you but it doesn't frustrate me in terms of the writing but it just frustrates me in terms of the character I'm like oh tommy like look what happened to you man and I, I think it's pretty real and i i i was so into it and then obviously like i said it foreshadows what happens to ellie like, ellie yeah. knew full well what she was doing what the consequences were going to be um we can get to that ending on soon. this ridiculous journey too and you know before we um uh, were, were there other characters that you felt were weak or which areas could have been amiss, omitted to um, to either create a tighter narrative or give more light to other characters? I will just say Manny seemed like the one that easily you could eliminate. The, uh, <laughs> like he's the most, I won't say useless, but I think he's the weakest in terms of like what he adds to the yeah. narrative. For me, he just serves as a as good funny banter because he's kind of sex crazy and, you know, mm-hmm. he's like a macho man. I think he might be a little example of some forced diversity, although, you know, it's a Latino character, so I'm all about it. But, uh, and I think he might, you know, he, he's just kind of a friend to get killed yeah. by the other person. It's the same type of role as Jesse with Ellie. I just don't think he's executed as well. I find his Jesse acting a little annoying, but I still found him necessary to the story. Man. He serves those roles, but that's about all he does for me. Mm-hmm. But it, it didn't bother me that much. It's a little sad that once I saw the minute first frame Jesse enters, like I kind of had this feeling, and dude, they're gonna kill this Asian guy off. Like, okay, full <laughs> disclosure, I'm Asian, okay? Like, I've, I've, I'm so used to seeing it. And but in this game, the game got me in the sense that I wanted to know this character more, you know. But I, I, I realized that yo, shoot, if Jesse's here and they have this thing of wanting to live between the two of them, between you know Dina and Ellie raising it, or just being on a farm. Shudina's pregnant. Jesse's probably gonna die. You know, yeah. I, f- I felt like the game could have. You know, this is where restructuring certain other parts might have made it stronger in the sense that Jesse might have been realized more as a character if other parts were tighter. You know, Jesse would have been given. Not that what he was given was um, inconclusive, or what, that what he was given wasn't good. It's just like it, the game teased me enough to where I wanted more, and you know they, you know he gets killed and whatnot. I I I sort of saw that coming <laughs> as soon as I saw him. Like he was a very well acted, by the way, performances. I, I can't I can't gush enough about these guys and how much work they put in to flesh out these characters. Um, yeah, the performances are phenomenal in this game, Absolutely and I will say phenomenal. I think I think Naughty Dog because there's obviously a DLC in the first game uh, that fills in a big plot hole in the first game. You know, everyone's like, "What the hell? How did Ellie care for Joel while he was 
in a coma and then the dlc is like oh here's ellie free uh joel and this is how you know her story with how she discovered she was immune and then here is how she cared for joel i think we might be getting a dlc for this game that's either a about tommy's lone wolf journey or jesse's lone wolf journey because both of them are lone wolves that show up pretty conveniently and uh to assist the story and, and ellie and our characters and i would love to play as both of them because there's a lot of potential there for those characters as well so oh, I, I shoot i was like- i was i was gonna ask you that after we went after the ending but um no it's it's okay that's it, good we'll think about it in a little bit but um kind of steering us towards the actual ending like okay by ending i mean conflict the, the, the fight everything leading up to the fight you know so ellie going into the rattler's den quote unquote you know mm-hmm. if it hadn't interesting take like if 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 ellie had decided to let this go abby would have died in the most excruciating kind of way oh yeah absolutely she she gets tortured and crucified basically yeah you know Same both of them they were, they were suffering like crazy and mm. it yeah, so that's why I love that Ellie goes back. Because even though it's for selfish reasons, it turns toward a selfless resolution. I don't think yeah. Ellie sees it that way, though. Like, um, you know, what is your, okay, here, here's the official question. Is what is your feeling slash take on Ellie by the end of the game? Do you think she is spent, is meant to be this wear, wayfaring stranger forever? Or has she gained wisdom to the point where she can build herself back up? I yeah so just for for those that are listening that may not be familiar uh Ellie saves Abby and then mm-hmm. remembers that you know this woman killed Joel so she threatens to kill Lev if Abby does not fight her and Abby so- successfully gets and they're fighting on this gorgeous gorgeous set piece of a of a lakefront immersed mm-hmm. in fog it's so good and Ellie gets Abby under the water and she's drowning her. And at the very last minute, Ellie gets a flashback of Joel that we have never seen. He just sees Joel on a porch with a guitar and decides to let Abby go free. And mm-hmm. most people think, and I'm in the same boat, that it is because she realizes that all is not lost and that she can rebuild herself and that forgiveness is the key and that the cycle of revenge has led to them destroying each other's lives. And I think she sees a little bit of her and Joel in Abby and Lev. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then other people argue that she's just really spent, kind of like how James was asking me. Um, and then in the ending, Ellie returns to the farm where her, Dina, and her child were residing, and it's completely deserted. Oh, that broke me. So- it, I, I, yeah. I hated that. Like, I watched that. I was like, oh, no. <laughs> I felt really bad. I was for, so for- empty, you know. I will say, I do wholeheartedly believe that Ellie is on her way back to Jackson Probably. at the end of the game. I, yeah. I don't, I refuse to believe that she's like this wayfaring like stranger type figure. Now I really want her to go back and make things right with Dina. Cause I think the game is hinting toward that because Abby gets to make things right with Lev and go on. And it only makes sense that because they parallel each other, that Ellie gets to do the same with Dina. So that's what I think. I think, I think Ellie sees, you know, Joel and Ellie from a different life in Abby and Lev. And that's why she decides to forgive her. And also it's because then we find out that the last conversation, and this preludes the, the ending of the game, mm-hmm. the last conversation Ellie ever had with Joel before he died was that 
she attempted to forgive him for she was attempting to forgive him yeah like i think i can try you know yeah she said, i think i can try i think that's really important she never fully did it which is why it's so regretful and why she's so torn up and it's why she's she needs to let abby know that she forgives her to a certain yeah. degree my opinion when i saw ellie um it was so gut-wrenching you know there's there's a lot of stuff about that fight it's so bloody first of all realistically you know ellie abby you know fighting you saw her body mass was totally different she actually like she looked quote unquote like you know at that point in the game it was like okay there's there's probably no way that you know this is this could end well for abby because she's exhausted exhausted and just you know realistically ellie lands so many knife cuts on her the oh, yeah. blood loss would kill you anyway ellie doesn't yeah. need to drown her you know if we're realistically just all that stuff but just you know that fight thinking about it now and this is a week out from you know about a week out from seeing it and it really it just doesn't sit well with me like and and as it as it shouldn't right like seeing abby bite the fingers off and so ellie now can't play guitar anymore that's the first thing but just you know just like different things them like because i don't think abby was really trying to kill ellie i think it was more ellie trying to kill abby at that point would you say, or were the both of them actually trying to kill each other? They were definitely trying to kill each other. I think it, it makes sense for the story. Like, basically, this is the last straw. They have to kill each other if this were a traditional revenge plot that ends with a less than desirable ending, and that's where revenge is taken and violence is begotten. Mm-hmm. They were definitely trying to kill each other because, yeah. you know, Ellie almost did, and Abby certainly could have as well. I think Abby certainly had the will to. That's why she decided to fight, um, not just because, obviously, Lev's life was in question, but because... Mm-hmm. I think yeah. if Lev hadn't been there, Ellie would have done it. I, I think there's a lot of things that, you know, I mean, just not, not, not even from a story writing perspective, just the uh, character in general. Like, shoot, that character's alone. What, what loss is there? Then the redemption arc, the, the redemption slash revenge arc would make some more sense, you know? But because Lev's there, she just knows, like, okay, this is, I'm basically almost doing the same thing Joe's doing. I've, I've already done the same thing uh, Joe, and El- Joe and Abby did. I've destroyed a lot, but you know, which is why I felt like at when Ellie lets her go, she wins. In my opinion, at, at that immediate, at, at that point in time, in my immediate reaction was, thank God she's won. Yes. You know, I was going to say it, or maybe not for the same reason, but I like, I was so anxious the entire fight. I was like, I really don't want them to kill each other because I loved both of them at this point. I really empathized with both of them completely. Mm-hmm. And the moment that she lets her go, like, oh my God, the tension in my body just released. And I was just like, thank the Lord. I was like, I'm so, so glad they're not going to kill each other because I really wanted them both to make it out. And I was very satisfied with, with that resolution. Because I, like she, I, in, if she had killed Abby... She would have also had to kill Lev because there's no way, like, she knows at this point, she knows, you know. Which, Abby, uh, in, interestingly enough, there's this whole, um, you know, their, their first interaction besides Joel's death is them in that um, theater. And Ellie points out, yeah, I'm the girl that your dad was going to operate on. I'm the reason. Mm-hmm. I think you have to also consider maybe that in Abby's mind, if I kill this girl, we really are screwed for like forever. Like if we weren't already screwed before, Ellie like being the only visibly immune person, you know, like 
Do you think that mm-hmm. was a part of Abby's psyche at all? Do you think either A, the character, the um, writers put that as an intention in her head? Or do you think realistically she'd be thinking that the entire time? You know, if I kill this person, we are way more screwed than we already are currently, which is immensely. You know? I think at first it's very clear in the flashback that Abby trusts her father's ability to reverse engineer a vaccine. Mm-hmm. But I think time not only the loss of hope from her father being dead, but just her time with the WLF as the Fireflies disband reveals to her that that probably wasn't the case. Mm. And we know that's not why she's mad. She's not mad because of the loss of the cure. She's mad because her father was killed. And that, that's very abundantly clear to me. So yeah. that's, that's, I don't think, you know, when Ellie's Her world like, no, was her father. I think, yeah. well, because Ellie doesn't know that Joel killed Abby's father. All Ellie knows is that Abby oh. is a firefly. So that's what she's assuming. She's going, oh shit, like these are the people that wanted me as oh, a cure. Oh, that's a good point. Ellie's never made yeah. aware of the true nature. Which, honestly, dude, the first time I saw, I was thinking about ways that Joel was going to get killed. Like, he's probably going to get killed by whoever had a relationship with the fireflies. Like, that's honestly, the- like that was the whole thing. My gut, my, and Ellie even writes it in her journal. You know, my gut has been saying it this entire time. And what we don't know as players or as watchers is like this whole game, Ellie is made fully aware of Joel's actions. We are in the entire time and think, okay, when does this reveal happen? You know, at the very or in the middle of the game where Ellie goes back to the hospital and like she finds an audio recording of them basically, you know, even if we were to find another immune person, the only person who could have done it is dead. Um, yeah so theoretically that's, theoretically it's, never, it's definitely left in the dark as to whether the vaccine could ever be made mm-hmm. it's never like thrown out the window but it's never fully endorsed either which sign yeah. yeah it's not endorsed by people of the science community either like, yeah. what they should have done was take blood samples and just like continue yeah. to going there to kill her is just well, you know <laughs> within the game obviously i think it's important that they don't reveal whether you know it was a risk that's the right, point, right. It was a gigantic risk. And it's about how you're gonna how you're gonna react to that chance, and that's that's part of the, more of the first game than the second game. Uh, that's where yeah, I have to respect just, this game, man. I that's where I have to respect this game and the fact that a lot of games, they don't. It's like they go off on a completely different, you know, storyline that is unrelated to, to to the people saying that this game is unrelated to the first. I don't see how that's true at all. I I objectively cannot see how you could say that because the game this game is a direct consequence consequences right consequence it's a direct correlating consequence of the biggest action slash at the climax of the game of the first game you know it's where Mm -hmm. we are today yeah it's an absolute result of the first game and it's the same exact universe of the first game just more refined and and more matured so it does feel like a I i will go to my deathbed this game feels like a tried and true sequel and i didn't think they could do that with last of us one i thought the last of us one had a ceiling that was just so high set the bar mm-hmm. so high that it could not be surpassed in any way besides the gameplay but i really do think this is a true successor to its predecessor although i will agree it's not as tight structurally yeah. as the first game the first game is very focused it's laser focused but you know when you get more creative when you get more messy and you dive deeper into that gray area between good and evil you know, mm-hmm. light and dark, 
uh, you're going to get more messy and you're not going to be as focused. But I think it worked for this game because yeah. they, they tie all those loose ends. There's not really any loose ends when this game ends, if you think about it. It's either left up to interpretation or it's been solved because, to be fair, a lot of the ends that would be ends are dead mm-hmm. because a lot of people die in this game. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, there's, you know, being her kind of being this stranger forever just kind of doesn't resonate well with me at all. Like, I can't, I can't, I can't sit here and eat that up, like, at all. Just the fact that some people think that Ellie's, like, logistically, where is Ellie going to go, dude? Like, she knows Jackson is, uh, who knows? At that point in time, Jackson may be under, um, maybe under attack, you know? Um, which is one of the things I would have maybe liked to see if they didn't pursue this particular storyline and maybe would have taken away from the fact from this being an actual, like, true a sequel, quoting you. But like, you see all the children at the beginning of the game. You see civilization. God, you even see Gustavo as, like, a, you know, the, the yeah. composer of the game, like, playing his banjo at the beginning of the game. It's like, ah. Oh. oh, so they're showing all this. Mm, this probably means these people are going to die you know like i i was always i was at the very beginning of the game i thought there's a conflict here that's gonna be really messed up and that's true right. just not at jackson you know yeah 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 you know? for sure but before we go into this future of this franchise you, you you i'm gonna guess that you rate this game pretty much perfect it's a perfect game for you yeah i have uh I, I like to say I have a pretty solid rating system. I, I do from one to ten with, with half points. Mm-hmm. And I've I've only had I think five ten out of tens up until Last of Us Two, and that was Last of Us One, Disco Elysium, Minecraft, Undertale, and um Oh god, how could I forget my fifth ten? But um Yeah, Last of Us Two absolutely joins that. I give it a, a mm-hmm. ten out of and a 10 for me doesn't mean like it's flawless like right. mechanic it just means it just the pros just significant whatever cons there may be the pros far exceed the cons. for you yeah it, it is it executed it for you and like Absolutely. for me i i can't i i can't rate this game yet because i have not picked up a joystick i have not picked up a controller and played it i've only experienced it from a narrative which i regret now but you know i mean the one game, the one PS4 game I have played is God of War. I don't regret that at all. You know, like <laughs> if you had to choose, like it's a pretty solid choice. Um, so yeah, Last of Us Two, uh, story and gameplay. That's um, that's see, guys, there's a way to talk about it without being without Happy trying to fate. without trying to kill each other. Like uh, <laughs> no pun intended. So yeah, good. Um, but if I had to, maybe. I mean, compare the two, Last of Us 1. Yeah, 1 was definitely tighter. I mean, even you can agree, right? Like, story-wise, characters, yeah. and, like, oh, yeah, it's I, I guess intention. Like, And it was, it, was it a shorter game? Absolutely. It is It is not even half the yeah. length of the second one. If this most recent playthrough of mine took, like, 12 hours. Yeah. So it could be half the length of Last of Us 2, but, you know. And it definitely, Last of Us 2 definitely has, for you, and definitely for me, it has replayability factor right like you're gonna would you oh, yeah. when would you revisit the though because for, for me i want to i want to let this sit you know i want to oh for some time absolutely. i'm gonna let this sit i it's like in i the can't bar. play it right away again 
game avengers endgame was such a big deal for me that i had to take a break from comic books and movies for like two weeks because i was just so shook by the movie i also kept watching the movie i watched it four separate times <laughs> of its release so um but you know it's not as easy mm-hmm. to, so for last was to this being my favorite game of all time i just really need to sit with me i haven't turned on the playstation since i beat it huh. i haven't played it on my pc i just i've i'm really waiting till it feels right mm-hmm. to go play the game because i i know i collected like i'd, I'd estimate about 70 percent of the collectibles naturally i want to go back through it i, I want to know that i don't have to conserve ammo anymore because i have a good outline of the plot and i don't want to spend a lot of time looking for collectibles anymore i just want to just go straight to the action straight to the gameplay and enjoy it even more because it is so much more fun without yeah. having the focus there because now you, you can be a little more liberal with your shots you know what's coming and uh that might be within two weeks two three weeks i think i'll, I'll certainly revisit it the last of us i've replayed six times the last of us one wow uh, from 13 to 2020 uh, and last of us two I, I can certainly see myself replaying. I definitely want to go through on Survivor. That'll be a true test of my. And if they add a DLC difficulty, like Last of Us One did as well, Last of Us One added grounded difficulty in DLC. Yeah, that's what or, I thought this game had. This game doesn't have grounded. It does not have grounded. Grounded was DLC, so I believe. What is grounded? grounded? You get shot, you're dead, right? Yeah, it, it's Survivor on steroids. There's no resources. You have like no option but to non-lethal sneak past everything. There's so little ammo in the game enemies more enemies they're harder it's it is absurdly difficult but it's like that perfect <laughs> of, of like a great challenge yeah that'll make you actually hate the game for yeah, a number of you, different reasons um yeah. yeah for me i i really want to explore this i'm going to let it sit because the narrative is still maybe damn, this is where i wish i played i had the ability to play it just because like the finality of playing something like this you know like a, a game as this influential just like yeah well but the, okay so that's been the last of us the next these next small little questions i have are for the future you know future of this mm-hmm. franchise so you mentioned dlc a little earlier hey um knowing what i know about this game and uh seeing maybe not just the reaction of the community but also just reasonably speaking from like a story perspective do you think it's going to have DLC? And if they do, what would you like to see really explored? Like, if it was up to you, what, what would you uh, make? Yeah, so, so I, my apologies. I didn't know you were going to ask this question. So I touched no, on you're it good. You're good. I love that you touched on it. It, it dropped my I, memory. I can't say I honestly expect DLC because I can only imagine the team is so overworked. Spent. Yeah, it's going to be a while. However, I do expect a remaster for the PlayStation 5. And if mm-hmm. that's the case, they can't just make the game pretty and then resell it. For si- really? There has to be something there because it's so recent, right? You don't remaster a game after less than a year just because of a new Oh, I think it's going to be more like five or four, depending on when the PS5 hits its, its, hits its prime, right? Because when did the remaster for the first game come out? Last of Us 1 came out less than a year after Last of Us 1. It came out. I think um, enough 2014, but not a full year after the, the release. Even that's going to take a while, wouldn't it? Just like the hardware yeah. and like... Yeah. yeah. So, but here's the other thing. The other part of the puzzle you're missing is Last of Us 1 had a great multiplayer mode. I still play the multiplayer to this day. And I was very sad to hear that Last of Us 2 was not going to feature 
the factions multiplayer. My crazy theory, and I don't really believe in it, but it would absolutely make 2020 the best goddamn year on earth, despite all this shit, is if Naughty Dog comes out with a multiplayer mode for Last of Us 2, because there's so many weapons and gadgets. They've upgraded the arsenal so much more in this game compared to the really simplified arsenal of Last of Us 1 multiplayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the, the game just plays, the multiplayer plays so well. It's like CSGO type, uh, no respawns, very intense combat with crafting. So there's loot stations all around the map. You open up, mm-hmm. you get blade, binding, bandages, and you can make Molotovs and stuff to toss at each other. Uh, and there's great shooting objective modes. Uh, I don't think it'll happen. Neil Druckmann has stated that, like, you know, this game, I think he stated last year that it was just so too much to try to incorporate multiplayer. Mm-hmm. And so that would blow my mind. But in terms of DLC, I do think that if they're going to remaster this game within a year like they did for one, they have to include some type of DLC with the package if they're going to charge a full $60. If was the remaster like, $60? Yes. It was Whoa, I did not know that. I thought it was going to be like 30 or... 35 well, or something. It had multiplayer and it had all the DLC included. Grounded right, 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 right. And because the multiplayer had two DLC packs, maps and weapons. Mm. Um, and there was the campaign DLC left behind, which, by the way, is only like two hours. It's super short. These DLCs are very But it's still, it's still stuff to play, you know? Like- it's still quality. It's mm-hmm. fantastic. You know, I'm not a big uh, qual- quantity over quality guy. But I'm um, just saying, like, as a package, you know, if you're going to charge 60 bucks, you have to... The price tag has to be warranted somehow, you know? Absolutely. And I, I don't think Naughty Dog... Naughty Dog has never done any economically slimy practices with their game, like studios like no. EA and such. So I think they're fully capable of, of doing something like that. Maybe I really want DLC. I really want to either play as Jesse or Tommy. Or maybe... I don't think they would continue Ellie or Abby's story, but... Um, you know, it'd be nice to know another another dimension, probably. But yeah, so that's that's my hopes for the future of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, OK, when you, you, you said something along the lines of um, either more Jesse or Tommy. Tim, uh, this is where I really don't know what I want, man, because the leading question, the follow up question to this is, man, what's next for these characters? Like, it, it's kind of hard to think at this moment in time, like, what's next for someone like Ellie? Like, do you think? Do you think we need to see more of her or should this be the lasting image of her? Because you said earlier something about this, um, something about The Last of Us 2 kind of making it almost into a universe. In your opinion, do you think, do you, are you comfortable with that? Or like, should there, should there be somewhat of a finality to things? To me, um, you know, biased opinion. Uh, dude, I want to see more of Ellie. I don't, I don't want to leave her. I don't want her to be, I don't want that to be the lasting image. You know, even if she dies a heroic death in the next one, sure. Just give, please, you know, but that's just me being, you know, emotionally biased. But Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm very attached to Ellie as well. I think, you know, Neil Druckmann, he's already talking about the potentiality for a third one versus a new IP. I really think Naughty Dog has to do a new IP. They've worn out Uncharted. And I think with this game, they really have worn out Last of Us because that resolution is damn near perfect for me. And I really don't want them to further the story. I think the universe they set up with this game was strictly to serve this story because the universe they set up for this game, the scars versus the WLF, the and, and the characters at war with each other, was all to serve the theme of revenge and conflict and mm-hmm. violence. Violence begetting violence, you know. So I think, and it all gets resolved. You know, Isaac's dead. Haven is effectively burned to ashes. 
So I don't think they can do much more with that. And I wouldn't want them to. I'd rather have them focus their sights on a new IP. So yeah, I think this, I think this, if I had a bit money, I think this is the end of The Last of Us for Nutty Dog. And that makes me pretty happy. Not that I hate the game, obviously. I love the game. It's my favorite game. But I think mm-hmm. I really like this resolved. And yeah, it is It is a little disheartening to see Ellie not as like a princess happy ending. But I think, you know. Well, not even a princess happy ending. Because like, like, you could, you could kind of infer from this game that she could meet. If they do decide to um, further. Because just the fact that she is, A, she is still immune. It's not like she isn't right. still immune though. So there is, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be bummed at them saying that they're gonna make another one, right? Like you'd probably take it. You, you, I would, would be you? Bummed. I would be like, whoa. But like, I think it really should end here. Yeah. If keep this level of quality, I, you know, I trust Naughty Dog, but it'd be really hard to top this one after this story. Yeah. With these same- but at it the same be- time, you know, there's that other crowd of people that are like. I feel like it could kind of unite both circles if they do. It's kind of like, hey, like, well, not not in the sense of give the people what they want, you know, because the people I'm of the camp that people don't know what they want. They really don't. I'm, you know, I'm if you're the chef, you are you are, you know, you're the artist you curate and, you know, it goes right. on from there. Um, And, you know, in regards to them changing things in the remaster or doing something, I both hope. I Yeah, I hope they don't. I hope they don't change the sequencing of events, which I feel like they could do. Um, but for the very same reason that I want, that a lot of us want uh, George Lucas to release the negatives of Star Wars, uh, the original Star Wars, you know, because like we, he's, this is a guy that's been known to change so many different things. Um, and there's that, I feel like with art, you have to let the original thing the original version of something last, you know, mm-hmm. which is a complicated question, you know, because for me, um, you know, with DLC, it's just, yeah, me personally, I want to see more. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take the fact that if it is, okay, cool. It's, it's been a very interesting human experience. Um, but we do know something else that is coming out. Um, supposedly it's announced and is in the works. There's an HBO series. Right. Uh, on the rise. And how do you feel about that? So what you know so far is Craig Mason, uh, the writer of Chernobyl and the director of Chernobyl, um, the, mm-hmm. the Chernobyl series, which I thought was one of the, I did a podcast on it as, you know, with um, Joseph like Jose. That. It was so, I think Chernobyl last year was the best thing I saw. Um, aside from other movies, Craig Mason is the writer and the director doing the flagship and HBO is doing the series. How do you feel about that? So I will say I know Naughty Dog and HBO have been have had some type of relationship before mm-hmm. because uh, a writer of Westworld, one of the main writers of Westworld, co-wrote Last of Us Two with Druckmann. Was it Gross? I have no idea. Haley Gross. And when you was, oh, when maybe. you say when you say writing the Last of Us, you mean the Last of Us Two or or the first game? Last of Us Two. Okay, yeah. he, and then it's Gross. Yeah, Gross. Haley yeah. Haley Gross or something. Yeah. This, okay. I am ex- to become a series i am so ecstatic i don't think the writers have much to do because the games are so expertly written you know i don't want to be cliche but i genuinely do believe this is hard to mess up the the writing here is so tight at least for the first one uh the casting choices are going to be so exciting to see i just hope that they keep this core dynamic between joel and ellie and then you know if they're going to do 
Blast mm. was important. Really great to see how they do it this time. If it's a series and not a game, they might interweave the days of Seattle. Like instead of doing day one, two, three, Ellie, day one, two, three, Abby, they might do day one, Ellie, day two, Abby, day, day two, Ellie, day two, Abby, things like that, because now there's no gameplay to worry about. Uh, Interesting. If, if they had to dramatize and make this into a show or a high quality production, which I have all the faith in the world in HBO taking this on. HBO has just been knocking it out of the park. They have True Detective, Westworld, Chernobyl. I mean, Game of Thrones aside, season eight. I, <laughs> that's the only detractor I can think of. You kind of you kind of hit on something interesting. Like, um, do you think the series, or should the series, attempt to connect any of the bridges slash interpret the game we've already played? You know, what comes to mind is Netflix is The Witcher, right? As right. as from what I hear. Yeah, we're getting Geralt. You know, we're seeing Geralt, we're seeing Yennefer, um, all these different characters. I, you think they should reinterpret Ellie um, and Joel and what we already know, or you know, continue Ellie's story in that form and not make another game, or you think there's potential for them to cut away to an entirely ge- different geological location? You know, maybe explore a completely different structure. I think that they. I think they they should stick with what we already have mm-hmm. because that's what the fans see and I I just think making it into a show would add a whole new dimension to it and it's really a story that I want a lot more people to know about outside of the gaming arena or I know a lot of people outside of you know gamer culture know about this mm-hmm. game it's hard to not know Last of Us and especially Last of Us 2 there are so many websites covering Last of Us 2 that I never expected to things like The Guardian and Forbes and whatnot because it's making so much your Forbes uh, covers Borderlands it's so funny what Forbes does <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's funny. I didn't know that um but I want this game this this IP to become a household name I want it to be treated like Chernobyl like Westworld like Game of Thrones preseason eight, where it's just like these household titles that everyone knows for being phenomenal productions. Uh, it's just, it's so exciting, especially because video games have so many good stories, but they never, with the exception of like Detective Pikachu and Sonic, they never <laughs> translate well to the screen. Yeah. And or every which is good, but I haven't seen it personally. With, with the lineup that I see, I mean, Chernobyl, like Craig Mazin and um, the director of that, and then. Yeah, HBO and Naughty Dog. Just the idea of them making a movie kind of makes more sense. It kind of shifts attention away. Like, I don't know how much Naughty Dog is going to be. Do you think Naughty Dog is directly involved or just kind of passively involved as producers or overseers? Like, how do you I see that playing it, out? I think Neil Druckmann is involved, not Naughty Dog necessarily. Druckmann, you know, okay. Naughty, you know, programmers and other game devs that have nothing to do with TV production. Druckmann is the creative director. He's the one that oversees the artistic aspects of it. And mm-hmm. I think he'll be directly involved because this is really his story. You know, this is his baby. These yeah. are his two babies. This was one and two. And I think while this is show, Neil Druckmann might, you know, leave to do work on the, the production. I think, I think for his health, he might actually do it. He might actually leave this to someone else or make well, the well, writer come yeah. back. Yeah, I mean, when this is your baby, you're going to want them to do it justice. So it's just about yeah. how much he trusts them. I, I have complete faith. I have the same amount I'd wager that I have the same amount of faith in HBO to make this production that I did with Naughty Dog 2 to make Last of Us 2 great. Like I, It's a safe bet for me. I have no anxious feelings about it. Uh, and at the same time, I think Naughty Dog's going to start shifting their focus toward a new, a new IP, which I'm I really am interested to hear. see. Is, has there been any rumors that you've known about to come out about 
I mean, no. yeah, this this year is so rough for like actual production on games. Like, we're probably gonna see a delay in so many different. I mean, Cyberpunk just got delayed again. It'll be like eight is it twenty twenty one. Yeah, I think or no. I have no idea. I you know what? I, I'm okay. I'm okay with them. If if a delay for them means a the game is is going to be the game is what they want it to be, and two. It does. It means that the developers can sleep a little more. I'm for it, dude. Like, yes. Take all the time in the world. You can get this into the next year. I don't think there's like, especially for I mean, a lot of people in the camp that Last of Us Two isn't great, right? Like, make a game good. You know, the good sure. will outlast the time that people have been waiting for. You know, with Half Life Alex is the same way. Like, people didn't expect this game to come out at all. It's, it's great. Yeah. I think the same is said for Last of Us 2 because it obviously got delayed from February of this year all the way to June. It got delayed three times, February yeah. to, to June. Yeah. And, Man. Or, and then, or fall of 2019 to February 2020 to May 2020 to June 2020. It was horrible being a fan, just endless delays. Yeah. Uh, I think the same can be said for this game in terms of how it's going to leave the gaming community. No one's going to forget this game. In Not the really. same way that no yeah. forgotten Skyrim, no one has forgotten Half Life Two. I don't. I think this is a classic, like tried and true. Like no one will forget. Maybe not a classic, like for everyone, because obviously it's so divisive. But this is going to make an impact. It has yeah. already flying off the shelves. It it's doing what Last of Us Two did and showing people like, yo, video games can really do the narrative in yeah. their own special way that movies or TV just can't touch. I also think it's Every a it's unfortunate that uh, and. Of all the years for this this particular game to come out, this year was just the worst, possibly the worst circumstantial year for <laughs> a Last of Us game to come out. So, because you can imagine if they'd have, if either they, a they'd have delayed it into twenty twenty one, which ah oh man, I don't even want to think about because Naughty Dog and their developers just like mental toll on these developers to to make this game, you know, because there's so oh, much. Yeah. I look at the animation, it's like, I feel guilty almost for enjoying this. I feel guilty for enjoying these beautiful landscapes. Who knows how, you know, because I've worked, you, you know, I've worked, if, you, if you've worked in video editing or media production before, my God, the chain of approval, it, it just, the, the, the amount of time it takes to make a two-minute sequence, a two-second sequence, a 30-second oh, yeah. sequence, you know, it's just, you know, but it's just unfortunate, I think, to put in a you have to put in perspective the the effect this year has had on people, right? Politically, and then um, COVID nineteen and a viral outbreak, a game about a viral outbreak. Like, oh my, it's just like the perfect storm for people to react horribly, embarrassingly to this game. You know, I suppose if if it had come out last year, I don't think it would have a if the leaks hadn't been such a big deal, if there were no leaks and there was no coronavirus, I don't think we'd be seeing the reaction that we see, you know? Yeah, I will say the leaks really did a number on this game, man, because as soon as the leaks came out, and as we all know, the leaks were like half-truths. Yeah. They got some still does die at the hands of a woman named Abby that is spared by Ellie. But, you know, Abby's trans, and there's all this woke, you know, false woke injection allegations. Mm-hmm. Um, it really did a number on the game. Uh, the game's still flying off the shelves. It's breaking sales yeah. records. So 
didn't affect it that much. But the review bombing, it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. But yeah, I think it's all this tension built up by the quarantine period and such yeah. that's really doing a number on this game as well. By the way, I have I have no problem with someone saying they outright hate this game. You have a right to, you know, you have a right to like dislike a lot of things, but it's it's this thing of objectively discussing it, which I feel for the most part, um more well known slash legitimate YouTubers and critics have kind of done. You know, uh Dunkey did a pretty, you know, well thought out one. Uh, Jim Sterling, I don't know if you follow him at all. Jim Sterling, Jim Quisitions, Jim Pressions. Yeah, he did a he did a review for it, which was fair. You know, if you're a critic or whatnot, this is what I want the gaming community because it's very. Would you agree? There, it's a very almost immature group. You're very very say, entitled to a lot of things. I will say, you know? the more and more. So I used to be on the team of the gaming community. I used to be, you know, the critics are paid off. They don't know what they're talking about. Any AAA title is going to get at least a seven, you know. Um, I now kind of am appreciative of that because the gaming community is so polarizing. And they really, I've discovered, I don't think they know what they want. No. And I'm not trying to make anyone feel insulted. But, like, you know... It's not like we're all aging at the same time. There's still a bunch of new yeah, injections into true. the gaming community. You know, there's still a lot of young people. And like I said, this game, you know, I'm fine with, like, if, if I were a father, I'm fine with my son playing Call of Duty, Black Ops, you know, 17 or whatever. I would not want my child to play this game. This game is so damn heavy. Until 18 or until, like, a certain it's age. So yeah. heavy. Yeah. You know, I'm surprised I even got through Last of Us 1 as a 14-year-old. That game's heavy as hell, too. Like, I can't imagine you were, eight, you were 14 then, man. I was kind of showing my no, age dude, a little I, bit. I'm, I, was, I was 18 <laughs> at that time, at that point. But, you know, it's, we, we, really, we really can't, you're, you're right, we really can't control the rate at which these, at which players experience. Because, you know, me, I, I don't think my parents knew what they were doing. But in second grade, to motivate me to study, what they did was, you know, it was after tutoring or whatnot. It was a Saturday. I remember it so clearly. I got in the car. And the, the first thing they did was they placed the Half-Life Anthology pack onto my, pa- onto my like, lap and say, yeah, James, we got this for you because we feel you've been doing good. Man, no second grader in 2002 should be playing Counter-Strike or Half-Life, you know? Yeah, no way. It's just like, yeah, but at the same, by that same token, it's just like, you can't, it, you, you can't control, um what these players are gonna at what age but um or you can't control the reaction of the younger crowd but where my disappointment has been with the community is with the older crowd you know you know not to name drop or anything but there are certain there are certain channels slash avenues out there that have demographically older people like guys i know you're perfectly at liberty to hate and not hate dislike or just not you know, not get the game, no, not, you know, ha- have the game reach you. That's you, you know? But it's just like mature conversation is an adult trait. You need to have it, you know, in order to, in order to get through things, you know? Because yeah, I saw this petition. Did you, did you hear about the petition they had to, like, change the game? Like, oh, we waited seven years. We have 15,000 signatures. Like, just... Yeah, uh, I, know. I don't know. Some people may have signed it out of spite. Um, and to be trolls um yeah that's 
so yeah, that's we know the HBO series is coming out. Um, aside from that, the only thing I want to mention is again just to reiterate the performers. It's so good. The uh, performances were just so great that at this point for going forward, I want to see more of what they do. I want to see more of what Ashley Johnson does. You know. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, like. She- she knocked it out of the park. Yeah, it's really showing how important voice acting, not only mocap, but voice acting is something that really needs to be respected. Mm-hmm. They they sell it and they it sells the game. Yeah, it's, Laura it's Bailey. A, um, you have like ten hours of cutscenes and and even more of optional dialogue and character interactions within the game outside of cutscenes. It's really important that you hit it on the head and knock yeah. it out of the park. Every One actor. Thing- yeah. One thing you can watch, um, I don't know if you've seen this already, but uh, supposedly, well, I, I, I went and, and saw it. Um, voice actor for Joel, shoot. Uh, Troy Baker. Troy Baker. Troy Baker has his gaming channel with Nolan North. Yeah, go figure, right? Joel and freaking Drake. Yeah. Um, they, he, had, and he plays through The Last of Us 1, and he has all the cast come on. You know, he has Neil, he has... Oh, I have seen this. It's it. I saw that at the exact right time that I needed to. Man, I was so it was such a cathartic thing for me to see them playing each other. It was it was so good. Just this past week, I've been so emotionally wrecked by two. It's just like, oh great, I see Ellie. Like, I see Ashley playing as Ellie, and you know that's a that's a watch. Um, Retro replays, I think, is the game. Something like that. I recently watched as well. So if anybody is still listening up until this long freaking cathartic conversation i've had with a guy that's actually played the game here if you're looking for something to uh quell the emotion that is something i'd recommend is retro replays troy baker he invites all the cast or pretty much all the significant cast members of the last of us one and he plays through the game with nolan north who's tim drake who's uh who's drake and um nathan drake sorry and well, the probably the most evil character in last of us one supposedly David, yeah, he, yeah, he's, he's and he nailed it. I, I couldn't even tell that was that was uh, Nathan. Yeah, that's something to watch. And um, oh, one more thing, Gustavo. Oh <sighs> man, this soundtrack is so. <sighs> I would say, this game from the first reveal at E3, we knew it was going to be much darker. Yeah. But the soundtrack is so much more bleak. And yeah. Oh sad. yeah, you're right. Because there's no like in the first game, you you hear a lot of like electronic. And a yeah. melancholy theme, meditative music. This game, it's like war or depression. <laughs> you know, the main difference between the themes, like even from then, the theme in Last of Us One is is very melodic and it's very soothing and and optimistic and hopeful. And in this game, the theme is broken and bleak. Yeah, bleak. You know, Neil Druckmann said he's like Last of Us One is about love, and Last of Us Two is about hate. Uh, if you really want to break it down to the base components. And it's very, it's so visible from uh, the story to the detail in the facial animations and someone's dying uh, to the themes. And then even the soundtrack serves mm-hmm. as a vehicle to move the story. It's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. You can, you can feel the love put into this game. He's please getting up there too, man. Like he's, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of worried. Cause like, okay, this HBO series coming out. 
There is no other. I mean, okay, with this game, we also have to give credit to Matt Quay. Matt Quay also did yeah. a good sound yeah, soundtrack. I recognize Mac from Mr. Robot, if you've seen that. That's main. I have not. Whew, that's also a good one. Um, yeah, music, nothing to complain about. Honestly, it's going to be in my rotation for a little bit. All right. And, um, Aiden, do you have anything more to say? Any, anything more to add? Um, no, we've covered a lot of, uh, of stuff i will yeah. say i think one thing we, we missed is uh the amount of detail put into this game in terms of uh the actual combat like the facial animations and oh uh, man yes detail that i really noticed like really really noticed like, one was, one thing there is like i you know when when the character you know analog controls right so when you rotate around to see ellie's face when Ellie or either Abby, when they're moving in a certain direction, they kind of grimace. They kind of make this. I mean, it, it depends on the stage of, that you play, right? Like when you're, when Ellie wakes up from that dream with Joel, uh, or not dream, that flashback with Joel at the museum, she has this like hurt in her face when she moves. Wow. You know, that for me was very poignant. For me, it's when when Abby stealth kills people. Yeah, it pops out. I Oof. was just so I was like, no way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's so there's so much more, but you know, we've Aiden, we've reached two hours and a half. It's wow. <laughs> we, we we've talked ourselves quite quite a bit. Um, I Aiden, could, I could go more hours, man. That's that's this is great. Yeah, this has been great. <laughs> Aiden, thank you so much for joining me, man. Um. Oh, Happy, man. This has been um, fantastic. Right, guys. Well, that's been The Last of Us 2. Um, at least our way of talking about it. Uh, you can pick it up today. Uh, and as Aiden would tell you, he recommends that you play it. I recommend that you play it because I didn't get to play it. If you have the option to play it, if you have a PS4, or, you know, if you want to wait it out, wait, you know, wait. At this point, if you've listened to this point, you're, you haven't waited it out. I hope. I hope you haven't. <laughs> I hope you haven't uh yeah that I'd play this game again. Um, well, Aiden, thanks for joining us and that's been the Crunchy Take. I mean, yeah. See you folks. <laughs> <laughs>